Salutations and congratulations because you're listening to the greatest wrestling podcast this side of the Mississippi. And that used to be a saying, so it meant something when it was a saying, and it means something still uh, when we're referring to our show, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. New listeners, this is a show that me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, uh, him and myself, Dana Elves, do every week where we talk about the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews of the shows to come and pre or reviews of the shows that we listened and watched. And of course, previews of shows to come. And like I said, I couldn't do the show without me uh, joining me. Like always my partner in crime, my mustard to my ketchup, Christopher brother. Ray Patton. Hey, how's it going, man? How have you been? How was your week? Good week, man. You know why? Cause we, uh, I got a three day weekend. Hallelujah. Jesus. I keep forgetting that's a thing, and I hope to hell I don't wake up on Monday and log on to Microsoft Teams and join a meeting that no one else is going to be at. But I have done this multiple times, so that probably will happen. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, and we appreciate our troops and uh, send our, our, our you know love and admiration for everyone that has lost for this country. Uh, so me and Chris are going to spend that, like many of you out there, watching a lot of fucking wrestling. We got the big two, WWE, AEW, with two huge pay-per-views this weekend. And uh, we're doing this, uh, normally record this on a Saturday. We're doing it on a Friday, uh, right before SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, to basically kind of just go over the, the pay-per-views this weekend and talk about the go-home shows on Raw and Dynamite. And uh, we have a couple news items, but we did not have a show last week. Um, we both had, uh, I was the main reason. My niece uh, had her birthday on Saturday, so I had that to attend to. And I believe, Chris, you had the same thing going on Sunday. So family first, guys, <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, we uh, we had a birthday party on Sunday for my niece and uh, went up to Hurricane Shoals Park, which is beautiful. If you live uh, if you live near the Jefferson um, Jefferson area, it's a great, cool place to go. They have park pavilions and stuff. So we did the whole thing on Sunday. That's the, usually if we have something where we have to miss on a Saturday, we follow it up on Sunday. But uh, uh, we both had birthday parties, like you said, and uh, you know, family's important, man. More important than wrestling. Absolutely. Wrestling is a close second, though. Yeah, and I mean, stuff went on, and obviously we have the huge news that we're definitely... I mean, it's kind of stuff that we already knew from AEW, but confirmation that Collision is happening on Saturdays from the show that we missed. So that was the big thing, Saturday night, 8 until 10. A very uh, interesting time period. Uh, due to the fact that it's on Saturday, but also awesome to have Saturday wrestling. And now it's pretty much confirmed uh, whether you want to believe the camp that there wasn't any problems and um, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, CM Punk's friend had been working remotely with the company anyways. And, or if you want to believe the fact that there was some rumblings about CM Punk not coming back. And I don't know what the fuck it was, but he's coming back apparently. So 
We're good. The Island of Misfit Toys from the AW locker room will be taking up Collision. And luckily, that includes Miro, Andrade, um, Thunder Rosa, CM Punk, uh, all included with the champions on the advertisement for this show. So, well, CM Punk wasn't, but apparently they were, like I said, there's two trains of thought. Apparently, they were trying to keep it a secret, but then also there might have been problems. So, like I said, I'm just giving you from both realms of the possibility. But regardless, Chris, we got a Saturday show now, officially. Um, and TNT at the upfronts were very happy with AEW. Uh, same thing with TBS. Uh, Warner in general was very happy with what they've done. So now they have TB- TBS with Dynamite. Uh, TNT will have Collision. And I guess Rampage will be a little bit of a smaller show. Kind of like the Sunday Night Heat like it was, but on Fridays between the two shows as opposed to the end of the week. So uh, good things for AEW. Also, they have, like they have had, um, their Ring of Honor product, which is kind of like their NXT um, on Ring of Honor's uh, social media platform. So, you know, they're, they're, they're stopping with the uh, dark and the elevation stuff. But I think this is all really good. I'm still wondering, though, Chris, if this is going to be a separate roster based on the people they announced on the poster and also in the the preview itself of who you'll see on the show itself. You know, uh, it seems like we might have separate rosters, but I'm okay with that. If they're able to show off some of these wrestlers more and give them prominent positions on the card instead of, hey, here you go. Here's Wardlow for about a month. Uh, never mind. You know, if, if we can actually bring them out, but I, I don't know. How do you feel about this? We've talked about it. It's pretty much confirmed, and now it's pretty much confirmed that CM Punk. Oh no, Collision is confirmed, and it's pretty much confirmed that CM Punk will be at you know Chicago uh, for the first episode of Collision. And um, you're gonna hate, of course, uh, any type of uh, happiness when it comes to sports teams and Chicago as a city in general because. You generally don't like Chicago, and uh, you hate their pizza, which I can understand because I'm from up north, east, and, uh, you know, what the fuck is that shit? It's, it's, it's lasagna at that point, you know? <laughs> I agree with the lasagna comment. Uh, it's, not that I hate, it's not that I hate Chicago. I just, uh, you know, CM Punk has made it really, really hard to like that town in recent memory. They, they, they blow each other a lot in a, in a, in a figurative way. Yeah, I just don't understand why the entire rest of the company has to blow Chicago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the that's the other thing. But that's uh, neither here nor there. I guess uh, we we have Collision that was announced, and we basically got the CM Punk confirmation because they're going to do the United Center, which is what we talked about uh, two months ago. Was originally, you know, put out there. I, I want to say Fightful and Meltzer also reported it. A few other places. And then it got dialed back because Ace Steel was rehired and working remotely. And I guess from all the rumors, CM Punk thought that he was going to be there with him at at this new show, um, which caused some shots at Brian Alvarez on Instagram and a bunch of other chaos midweek. But it seems that it all settled down before, you know, the show on Wednesday where they actually announced the uh, United Center, which good for AEW. They're going to need this launching a new show. Um, I would almost say with CM Punk being your biggest star, 
and coming back in and probably going to draw the biggest ratings. I would probably put him on Wednesday and not Saturday. I know it's the launch of a new show, but Saturday is also going to be going up against the hardest competition. Probably will get lost in the wash a little bit. Uh, it's it, There's going to be some nights where it probably will go head to head with WWE pay-per-views. Keep that in mind with WWE moving their stuff to Saturday, but we're going to see. We're going to see what shakes out of it. The biggest thing is what is CM Punk's storyline going to be coming back in and, and doing collision? Um, MJF, I'm assuming if CM Punk is going to be on collision, I, I would think MJF is going to be on Dynamite. So uh, you you would assume they would move the elite away from Punk as well. You got to find something for Punk to do here. Maybe it's him feuding with Blackpool Combat Club after this pay-per-view when he comes back. I'm just trying to think of things to do with him. The answer is probably they're going to have a separate brand title. I don't necessarily love that idea. But yeah, they've uh, relegated Ring of Honor to basically... They have two elevations in Dark by eliminating Elevation in Dark. You have Ring of Honor and then you have... Uh, Rampage, and those are kind of the C shows at this point. I'm assuming Collision is going to be the B show, just because Dynamite's your primetime midweek show, and, and like I said, you're going to have tons of competition on Saturday. I hope the show does really, really well. I like the people they've announced for it so far. I'm looking forward to wrestling on Saturday. I'm not looking forward to recording... <laughs> Collision, watching the WWE pay-per-view, and then watching Collision, uh, and then reporting on it. That's going to be yeah, uh, interesting times. But and, and for us, having to, I guess on Saturdays, we'll be doing previews for Collision and then going over it a, a week later because, I mean, I'm not, I don't think we can move it to Sunday. Me and you both have a very busy schedule, and I'm excited about Collision. Like I said, it just... At the same time, it's kind of weird that most of the people that were announced uh, are people that seemingly have problems with the other side. And I'm not just talking about CM Punk. I'm talking about Thunder Rosa and, and Andrade and Miro and other people. And I'm looking forward to seeing this platform. I, like you, I'm wondering, is this going to be like a completely separate roster or is it going to be certain things and then certain people stay on that product but other people kind of switch? And I could see that happening, you know, basically what Ron Smackdown will be in about three months, um, probably, uh, you know, just based on the past. But also, I mean, if they wanted to, they could make TNT. I mean, the world champion is the world champion, but they could make the TNT title much more the title for TNT show on collision and make that much more part of it. Uh, even maybe put the women's title on that or featured more so on that. And then the TBS title on Dynamite. Um, and then you have technically the international title, which can be its own thing. I mean, on the same level or even below whatever you want to look at the TNT title. And then, I mean, technically we have wh whatever the hell uh, um, uh, Hook has. I forgot what the fuck the title's called. Uh, but that's in sanctions, so who knows? And then you could have the if you wanted, Chris, you could have the triple uh, tag more so prominent on Dynamite with FTR in the tag division, uh, more prominent on Collision. They could do that tip for tat. I don't know. I just at the end of the day, I hope we can just have a lot of matches and not to worry about restraints and 
a lot of that stuff. Um, that's going to be very interesting going forward on how they do it. And honestly, at the same time, and you might agree or disagree, Chris, if they don't do anything and kind of just like hodgepodge, whatever the fuck, that's also terrifying too. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. That's a lot for Tony to book too. I hope he gets a lot of help with it. Yeah. I, they introduced the C, this collision. I'm almost called it the CM Punk show, but they introduced collision with a lot of people they've had either injury problems with or problems with. Some of those are both like CM Punk. Um, they're going to have to have some sort of brand crossover. You know, the, I, I, I don't see any way around that. But uh, if there really is this big split between the locker room, and all this is hearsay, this is six months ago, right? Do you just do separate rosters completely? I mean, if they would have waited, and this might be... They could have just named the brand Ring of Honor and then had like a very pro wrestling show and then a very current dynamite type show and did separate things. They didn't go that route. So it's it's what what is this show going to be? Maybe it'll be completely different than either of those things. Who who the hell knows? I'm I'm excited to see it. And I hope it does well. I don't you know, even with CM Punk as the anchor of it and everyone who's listened to the show knows I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan in the world. But I, that doesn't mean I want the show to do bad. Hopefully we'll get to see some new stars and see some different pushes. I don't want it to go to the extent that we have different pay-per-views for different brands. That's the other conversation we haven't had yet. Like eventually oh, yeah. these people to have to be <laughs> at the same place at the same time, specifically with Wembley coming up. So it lots of things up in the air. This is the first time I've ever seen a brand split that was just specific to people's dislike of each other. Uh, which is how it's getting presented. It also could just be that, you know, TBS and TNT offered Tony Khan a lot of money to make this new show. Yep. Uh, and we're not going to find out exactly those details. How much of this is true? How much of it isn't? If there were really no problems and they were trying maybe to hide CM Punk for the launch like they did beforehand uh, when he first came into AEW. But either way, lots of controversy, but we got a new uh aew product coming out soon on saturdays and of course you know your boys will cover it but like i said most of the time it'll probably be a week out uh just in actuality because we do our show saturday morning so there's that but um yeah when we when we get to the pay-per-view i do have some predictions for that that are related to collision as well as what i would do with collision uh if you just handed me the book and said hey you're starting this new program and we need it to be different than dynamite. Okay. Absolutely. Um, before we get there, the last thing that we should talk about that we weren't, you know, uh, present for, um, with the last show not happening, uh, is the passing of someone that I'm glad is getting a lot of praise, but unfortunately, and I mean, it's no one's fault. This happens with a lot of people. Um, it's after he passes, and that is superstar Billy Graham, who tragically passed on May 17th of this year, last week. Um, I mean, this guy, I don't think people are going to understand how important he was for a lot of the wrestlers 
that influenced a lot of the wrestlers going forward, uh, if you will. Um, Billy Graham started in 1970. He had a career that would last until 1988, um, having a bad injury towards the second half of the 70s that ultimately slowly stopped his in-ring work. Um, But, I mean, all right. For one thing, this guy was Arnold Schwarzenegger's training partner and a close friend of his. So put that in perspective. But I think the biggest thing, and this was presented by Triple H, who is from Boston like me, um, went to the Boston Garden, watched Billy Graham, was enthralled by him. Uh, When he inducted him, and I think there's a couple people inducted Billy Graham, but I watched Triple H's induction specifically for him in the Hall of Fame. He kind of said he was 20, 15 years before his time. I would say even like sooner than that, like, you know, you could probably just say 10 years. Um, but not only that, he was kind of in a lot of ways. And I know this goes by as a term, especially like, you know, the way that Chris Jericho is presenting it. Uh, but he was kind of like the first sports entertainer. Obviously, before him, you had the influence and extremely influenced him with Muhammad Ali. Uh, you had Buddy Rogers. Uh, you had Freddie Blassie. These heels that were just great. Uh, gorgeous George, even before them, um, and charismatic that definitely had that essence, and maybe even like an Argentina Rocca that changed the the aspect of in ring work uh, and making it much more not playful but different than what it was presented before when you had your Luthezes, your Billy Robinsons, etc., with the actual Greco Roman style wrestling. So calling him the first sports entertainer, like the actual one, uh, I think is a very big compliment towards him because he was larger than life. I'm not going to say that, and I've watched a lot of his matches recently. Like he was one of the most proficient wrestlers in the ring. He wasn't like this amazing technical worker, but his in-ring psychology, chemistry, uh, just amazing. I mean, if you watch him in his matches against Bruno, where he wins the title or against his series of matches with Dusty, He was doing the, even though he's a big guy, you know, cowarding, getting on his, 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 his knees and putting his hands up and shaking. No way more, way before Ric Flair, Ric Flair has said Billy Graham was a huge influence on him. Uh, you know, you'll hear the, 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 uh, talking point. I am the tower of power too sweet to be sour. People will associate that with Macho Man Randy Savage and Dusty Rhodes, but that was actually Billy Graham first and foremost. Billy influenced Dusty, who influenced so many people. Billy influenced Macho Man. He influenced Austin Idol. He influenced Jesse Body Ventura. And in turn, a lot of those guys influenced Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan was directly influenced by Billy. I mean, you have Rick Rude. Billy, uh, you have so many wrestlers later on Triple H and obviously Scott Steiner uh, that were influenced not only by his physique, but his heel presence. And I, I think, you know, I talked to my, my coworker when he got the title and got it off of Bruno. He had it. And people say this like it's it's weird, but he only had it for like less than a year, which seems like a long time for us. But for back then, that wasn't. And then he turned it over to Bob Backlund. And there's a lot of people, including my friend Harry that I work with that was watching back then that thought it was a terrible idea to do that and kind of killed WWWF 
a lot for them because even though Bob was great in the ring, he was kind of boring. And they wanted Billy to switch babyface, which is what he wanted to do in real life. But Vince Sr. and him didn't see eye to eye on that. I know Vince Jr., if Billy didn't mess up, and I don't know exactly the extent of his injuries, but whatever he messed up, whether it be his back or whatever, if he was healthy in the 80s, Vince was going to go with him. Now he ended up going with Hulk Hogan, but that shows you that even though if you don't know who he is, the amount, the grasp and the amount of, I don't know, between his personality, his his heel tactics, his look, his physique, he was the blueprint for future wrestlers to come for years, especially the 80s. He was the blueprint for those 80s big guys, uh, especially if they are more in a heel perspective. And he should be celebrated. Um, you know, here's the thing. Dusty couldn't, you know, and I know kayfabe, obviously, but Dusty could not beat him. Couldn't get the WWE title or the WWF title at that, t- uh, that time. But he went and he would afterwards beat Harley Race for the NWA title. And this all launched his career a lot. Billy was very giving from what all these wrestlers say. Wanted them to, like, kind of like a John Cena in a way. Like, wanted them to look good as much as himself. Cared more about the overall picture. And unfortunately, he got very sick. And the last couple of years has been having on and off poor health. And uh, he passed away. But, Chris, I don't think people realize... And maybe they are starting to realize, and even me and you, uh, from researching after someone passes, the amount of influence Billy Graham gave to the industry, let alone individual performers that influenced everybody uh, going forward. Yeah, with Billy Graham, he was such a massive influence to so many people. I had always heard that, but I hadn't actually seen a ton of Billy Graham matches if I'm being completely honest. So I did spend the last week or so watching uh, some of his WWF run. But uh, back when we used to host a streaming show where we basically just streamed everything from like mid 80s all the way through the Monday Night Wars on Justin TV. um, I saw him more as the commentator and even karate Billy Graham to some extent, which is its own weird thing. But in Crockett, yeah, in Crockett. And when you go back and you watch uh, some of his older promo, like his late seventies or actually early seventies promos, and and kind you can kind of see influences in each one of those people. Whether it's wearing a feather boa like your Jesse Ventura, whether um, it's it's using some of the the lingo Muhammad Ali esque lingo uh, that he would use that you would see other wrestlers take and kind of move with. Uh, it's 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 so crazy to see that stuff and, and the influence that he had on the wrestling business and to also hear that he, with Triple H being like he was too late or, or too early, not too late, too little too early. I don't think it was a little too early. It, this It more happens with Vince McMahon Sr. had kind of made a promise to Bob Backlund to give him the title. And for most accounts and, you know, through history. And even I think in in uh, his book, Superstars book, he talks about how he went into a depression because he didn't feel like he'd done anything wrong. Business was doing great at Madison Square Garden. They were pulling, you know, more fans than they had pulled in a very long time. 
and selling out like crazy. And they just wanted to, he had a start date and an end date and there was no conversations really to be had about it. And if you look at the rest of his career, he never really recovered after dropping that title. It's a, it almost is, a, it's very sad because he kind of fell into like a weird depression. Um, to the fact where he just disappeared and people thought he was actually dead. Right. Gordon Sully reported, if I'm not mistaken, it was Gordon Sully thought he was dead and, and never recanted on it. Even after we found out Billy superstar Graham was dead. He's, it's it's such a unique and interesting career, especially the start of it with uh, with Dr. Jerry Graham. Hearing those stories about Dr. Jerry Graham and kind of oh how yeah, and it's, I, it's, just real quick to throw in there while you explain it, like so guys, it's not just the Andersons, and I don't even know if you know this, but the Andersons are not related to any of them, only to friggin' <laughs> all the way to, to Carl. <laughs> like all of them, kind of have this kayfabe family and the same thing goes with the Graham family which Mike and Eddie obviously are related that's Mike was Eddie's uh, son but you know like who you're about to talk about with Jerry he was a part of the Graham family you know but none of them uh, to my knowledge were related like I said besides Eddie Graham who was known for leading who teaming with Jerry obviously as a tag team and then leading Florida Championship Wrestling and putting people like Dusty on the on the map, um, but Billy was a part of that same family, quote unquote. Yeah, and I, I guess that plays into why Superstar was willing to go to you know FCW a little after or after his WWWF run, and and probably why he worked with Dusty uh, back even back then with Eddie being in, in Florida Championship Wrestling. But it's just. You know, it's it, he was always. It seemed like you would always get a newsletter every five or six years that would tell you something negative about Billy Graham or Billy Graham's health, and you kind of just. I, I I don't know if I got numb to it or whatever. So when it happened this time, I was like, "Well, it just bounced back," because that's what he's done every time I've read this stuff uh, previously, even growing up. But yep, uh, unfortunately. Couldn't get off the mat this time, and, and rest in peace, and well wishes, and absolute legend. It's also crazy. This goes back to an article I wrote six years ago for Geek Vibes about the influence of Gorgeous George, because Gorgeous George influences Muhammad Ali, who then influences Buddy Rogers, Freddie <laughs> Billy, Blassie, Graham. Billy Graham, Billy yeah, Graham, exactly. Um, but it's always cool to to think about that and dive into it and. If Superstar would have been healthy, it would have been great. I don't know if it would have been the same thing as Hogan's run. Very different. Very different people, because we never really got to see Bill Graham as a complete white meat, all-American babyface, which is what Hulkamania was. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. It's, it's, what if? What if they turned him babyface and kept the title on Billy? What would have happened as compared to what would inevitably happen with Bob Backlund having the title. And then very immediately after that, things going down um, as far as, you know, uh, selling out uh, Massive Square Garden, uh, just attendance in general was going down. And like I said, even though Bob, Bob was like for, for Jack Briscoe during the 70s, I think in NWA, he was a credible wrestler, very great in the ring, but I don't think the personality really helped anything out um i hate to go back to my buddy harry but 
because he his perspective was actually watching 70s wrestling. You know, he said that like when he was really young and he would watch WWF and then he would watch, you know, a lot of the NWA stuff. Bruno and Harley kind of were like those two dudes on both sides. And they obviously had the title. I think Harley had the NWA title four or five times throughout the 70s. Bruno obviously had his ridiculous second run throughout most of it until um, he lost to Billy Graham. Uh, But he said Dusty was on one side and Billy was on the other side. And when they clashed in those Madison Square Garden matches, it was like the best of both worlds because they kind of represented but they were so similar in aspects. Obviously not physique. I love Dusty, but, you know, but like personalities and just being able to have a great match and Dusty just being, I mean, you guys got to really go back. His match with Bruno for the title is awesome. I, I know that a lot of people can't just do abdominal stretches for a while and feats of strength, but like seeing him and how he reacted towards Bruno as a heel to a baby face. And then Dusty, the same thing. And Dusty's much more, elaborate and with all the punches, you know, just acting like a heel. The guy was bigger than both Bruno and Dusty, but he would cower down. He would shake and said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then do something heelish. And like I said, this is before Rick was doing that. And I'm not saying that never happened in wrestling. I'm sure many heels did that, but his, his I don't know, his, his prototype, if you will, uh, would lead to many other wrestlers being influenced not just by him, but probably people that influenced him. Like we said, your Muhammad Ali's, your gorgeous George, your your Buddy Rogers, your Freddie Blassies, you know, those guys that kind of change the perspective and put a lot more work into them as characters uh, when they were being heels. So he was kind of like I said, he was he was that guy that did it several years before it became popular. So but the th- the thing is though, Chris, I'll say this. Saying that, you know, yeah, he would have strived in the 80s if he was, like, in his prime. Like, if he came around the 80s, he was born later, whatever. But there was there were so many people like him, and I'm sure, like I said, he influenced a lot of them. He still was the WWF champion, still sold out Madison Square Garden several times, beat Bruno San Martino after his second fucking reign, beat Dusty Rhodes, You know, even if there were some of them were a little heelish. uh, I know they got a double DQ in the second match. First one was him getting DQ for going over the ropes, and I think third one he he hit Dusty. But still, all I'm saying is like he did really well in the '70s. But it just sucks that he's not someone that comes out of your mouth as quick as Dusty Rose does. If you're not someone like me and you, Chris, that lived in that actual time. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I never, growing up here in the South, like superstar Billy Graham, he was known of, but not in the way that he would have been known of, uh, known of as like you living up North. So I think that there's, a, you know, just a difference there to some extent, as well as like what kind of I gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off, uh, but I didn't know who the fuck he was at all. I mean, by the time that I was watching wrestling. I didn't know who the fuck Bruno San Martino was until years later when I talked to my dad about like who his favorite wrestler was. So uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like because of Hulkamania, that was the only thing that you looked at, I guess, uh, when I grew up 
between 85 to 95 is that small child. Right. Okay. I gotcha. Um, yeah. But what I was getting at is I think that, you know, that has some to do with it and that and his run, his run at the very top was kind of short. You're talking eight months as WWF champion, then disappearing, then showing back up as a karate him, which people didn't even believe was him. And then as a commentator, the the legacy is not as withstanding as something like Bruno San Martino or Harley Race. or uh, And that, that doesn't take anything away from who he was as a character, who he was as a wrestling wrestler. And, and that kind of plays into what Triple H was saying, maybe a little before his time. Uh, whatever it may be, bad luck, um, mul- multitude of things. But the things you can take away from it is that, you know, Vince McMahon <laughs> Jr., <laughs> our Vince McMahon, as I like to say, uh, he loved Superstar Billy Graham. Um, even after he got sued, was still friends with Superstar, or was still, you know, still enamored with Superstar Billy Graham. I don't know if they were friends. I should say enamored with him. Um, as a, a star and that's where the term superstar comes from that's why vince wanted to call his wrestlers superstars yep. and it's also why you see the influx of actual more or bodybuilders like the hulk hogan's and ultimate warriors in what vince's product was versus you know wwf uh, which had bruno and some other big guys but nothing like what it was in the superstars or superstar rock and roll wrestling of the 80s uh, you can tell how how much of an impact it had on Vince in general, which impacted all of WWF after Vince bought it. So I, I think his impact is felt in more ways of just influence to other wrestlers, but actually influenced to one of the biggest promoters, if not, well, definitely the biggest promoter of all time, you know, Vince McMahon uh, Jr. Absolutely. And like I said, I'll just end this with this before we do our 10 second salute. People influence Jesse Rhodes, Ric Flair, Austin Idol. I forgot Steve Austin uh, said some stuff about. And if you look at Stein Steve Austin, he wanted to be Ric Flair, but apparently Billy Graham was a big, he was a big fan of him. Um, Scott Steiner, Hulk Hogan, Jesse the Body Ventura, Triple H. I mean, Rick Rude. It's, it's ridiculous. And then, you know, we, we go back to Dave Meltzer a lot, and he wrote in The Observer, I don't know what point, but if it wasn't for Billy Graham, this industry would be so much different than it is. So, we salute you, Bill, Billy Graham. We salute the superstar. Thank you so much for what you did for the wrestling industry. May you rest in peace. And, uh, yeah, man. So, that's all I can give. I hope that we did a good job explaining his career, talking about him, and giving a good tribute. So I'm going to give 10 seconds like I normally do. I'll give it back to Chris if he has any closing statements, and then we'll move on. But let's give 10 seconds for Billy Graham. All right. Well... Like I said, Chris, I hope that was a good tribute towards Mr. Graham. Um, I think we get went over a lot of the good stuff, you know, and I just say if, if you're a fan of wrestling, go back and watch his matches, and hopefully you don't find them boring because I, I love them. Uh, his match, like I said, with Bruno, 
Uh, there's a great match with him and Peter Maivia that you can find on YouTube. Uh, the Rock's grandfather, the start of the Analoa family, basically. Uh, they used to they had a great run in the 70s, um, and then his match with Dusty Rhodes. You can find matches with him and Ivan Putsky. Unfortunately, most of the stuff you can find on YouTube and not the network, but at least on the network, I believe you can find all the Dusty matches. So there you go. Yeah, and, and I would just also say uh, I think Meltzer has done a good job of covering the passing of Superstar's death. He has just a historic knowledge of everything in his career. If Meltzer's not your guy, Jim Cornette also, him and Brian Last went over a lot of this stuff. Uh, with also some funny stories about Jerry Graham in there, so I recommend listening to that. And uh, he he has a book out there if you want to read a little bit more about him. But uh, yeah, so this is a tough one to start off off with. Absolutely. And uh, you know, we kind of planned last weekend before I realized, like I said, because I'm a great uncle like this, uh, that my niece's birthday was on Saturday in the morning time as opposed to the nighttime. She wanted to do stuff with like water in a, in a slide. I don't know. It's kids are crazy. So we, we were thinking about doing a watch along, but either way, who knows, maybe one of these days, uh, when we do a watch along, it'll be the one with him and dusty, the first one that they did. Uh, but like I said, you can find his stuff. Unfortunately, Search it on YouTube. You might find more stuff than if you do it on Peacock. But let's move on. Got, uh, hey, we have some really great news, um, I think, for two superstars that we want to see coming back. Uh, first of all, uh, Bobby Fish was talking about Kyle O'Reilly. And, you know, he, he talked about his procedure and that everything is really going well with him. and. Um, you know, they're just taking chances. Kyle uh, apparently had a child recently, so that's been his main focus. But on top of that, everything apparently is going really well with Kyle coming back soon, uh, from what Bobby said. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know. We'll talk more about this. I have more of a, uh, a thing in my head, and who knows what will happen once we talk about Double or Nothing. But uh, I don't know. I think that you might hear a little, probably more so in your head than anything, but a little. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, could, you know, with Sabu, Adam Cole and beat Jericho and then take out the Jericho Appreciation Society with his former members of his group? Possibly. Kyle's good. So is Bobby. I don't know. Regardless, I'm just happy to hear that Kyle and I, from what Bobby said in the interview, Kyle's approaching more stuff involved with his child uh, and, and, and whether or not he should do something based on that than wrestling and his love for the crowd, which is much more important. So whatever Kyle wants to do is great. But hearing that from Bobby Lash or Bobby Lashley from Bobby Fish is good. And I'm just saying, man, Undisputed Era, could they make a return? Uh, double or nothing? I don't know. 
I mean, there is five members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and Adam Cole is going against Jericho with Sabu, which is fucking awesome, uh, and Roger <laughs> Strong in his corner, but it's not five on five unless they get two more people. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just saying. It is a, what, what the hell, no restriction, uh, rules off, lazy booking. Uh, style match, so anything could happen, Chris. Unsanctioned match. Also, Sabu could kill like two guys in this match, so it could just end up being a tag match. Um, no, I'm 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 kidding, but I, good for Kyle O'Reilly. I'm glad to hear that he's gonna he, that he's ready to come back when he is ready to come back because uh, the original outlook of that injury was not good. I will say when he came into AEW, he looked like a million fucking dollars, like a man revitalized. Um, specifically after, not that he was bad in NXT or, or anything, but if you go back and watch some of Kyle O'Reilly when he first came into AEW, uh, he looked like a guy you could strap a rocket to, even to me, like ahead of some of the other people there, specifically as like another heel, like a, a great heel that they could have done stuff around. And they still can. Maybe he'll come back with that same heat, but some of the stuff he was doing in the matches uh, was pretty awesome because Adam Cole came in as a heel originally and the, the the chemistry that they had together was great but Kyle O'Reilly was kind of a standout in a lot of those matches especially when they're doing like those trio matches that they were having um but yeah man that's cool I'd, I'd be down for undisputed error whatever they want to call them Maybe we'll get them versus the elite versus Jericho Appreciation Society versus Bullet Club because I'm assuming we'll have more people jumping ship from Japan versus Blackpool Combat Club. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be <laughs> in, in a uh, in a blimp. They're all gonna fight in a giant blimp, a Goodyear blimp. Size cube can. Um, I don't know. Anyways, Reed's Re- Re- Ice. Hey, I'll, I'll give you the official thing that. Since I found it, uh, that Bobby said about Kyle. Kyle's doing good. Good recovery. Rehab is on a big uptick. He's doing better all the time. But this is a slower recovery. I mean, I think the procedure and stuff Kyle has done was a long time coming. He's tougher than nails. So what became uh, his normal for years, what he put with on daily basis and we being three of the closest friends probably saw as much of it outside of his wife, uh, as far as wear and tear, we saw more of it than anyone else. I think it was overdue. Um, as far as actually like his injury, I just want him to be full recovery for his life. I mean, at this point, screw wrestling. They got a new baby girl. She's beautiful. He's living that dad life right now, so I'm happy for him, but he's looking really good for a return. So there you go. That's straight out of Bobby Fish's mouth, Chris. Uh, so what's the likeliness? You know, you can put this on the 1 to 100 for the Undisputed Era um, being all together, you know, next to Sabu, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal maniac himself. At double or nothing this weekend, I'm going to say 75. percent Just to just to give you my evaluation on that. Yeah. So if I had to guess, like a shot of all of them being back together at the pay per view, I would say like 30. percent Seems like something they may save. 
But I do have a prediction for that pay-per-view as someone that might come out, which would be Rob Van Dam, who has who lives in Las Vegas from what I remember and has hung out with Sabu. I could see them doing something like that as a surprise for the crowd or even a Mike Tyson, for instance. See, that's funny because when they were going over, you know, you might know this man, he lives in Vegas. I watched him as a kid because of the relationship with Chris Jericho. I thought it was Mike Tyson automatically. Um, We'll get more into it when we get into the actual show. I love Sabu, but when Sabu was a person, I was kind of like, oh, okay, huh. But who knows? Maybe it will be Rob Van Dam, Mike Tyson, Sabu helping Adam Cole. That would still be cool as fuck. Yeah, this, and that, well, yeah, we'll just wait till we get to the pay-per-view to talk about it more. Because I have some thoughts about just that card in general and the fact that they have two lists have full-on hardcore matches uh, on that card. Well, it's not even just that, man. I mean, uh, so Wardlow and Christian, and I mean, we're going to talk about it anyways, but Wardlow and Christian are in a ladder match. The four guys, the four pillars with MJF for the title is a four-way match, so that's going to be no rules. Then you have Jericho and Adam Cole, no DQ, and then the Stadium Stampede match. So... I think this is where one guy that's very angry over in Kentucky, I think that's where he lives, would say, lazy booking. I don't even, at this point, is it lazy booking or is it AEW trying to define themselves as this is where you come to see. ECW? Yes. Sure. But, yeah, because, like, if you go to their, I mean... There's two of these on every pay-per-view. The, the, this one's going to be the the Jericho one is a little crazier because your duplicate. It's not like Bullet Club or Blackpool Combat Club versus uh, the Elite in the sense that it's you know not set up as that kind of match, but it is kind of a group versus a group in a hardcore match because it's an unsanctioned match. So they almost have two of the same damn match. Uh, they'll be entertaining. Yes. Yes. All right. I'm going to give you some quick news <laughs> items. Oh, actually, no. I'm sorry. I, I, I lie. Uh, before I give you this last one, which is fun to think about, I guess, um, we also have some good news on the Raw side. Uh, apparently, Randy Orton is ready to go. We do not know when. He's going to come back, but apparently on his side of everything, he is good. Um, so I'm just happy to hear that Randy, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen with him, but from the source of, I can't remember who the hell this originally came from. I think it was Mike Johnson, some wrestling headlines, but Randy is coming along fine. He is ready to come back. Uh, they just have a certain time period this summer for him to come back, Chris. Yeah, I mean that makes that, that makes total sense. I would assume that certain time period is after Cody winning the title. But they're gonna, have to, wait, what, they're gonna have to wait until WrestleMania. 
Uh, no, I mean, Cody's going to win one of the, the titles probably in the next few months, as long as that nah. army is not legit. You don't think so? No, you he ain't one of that fake belt that they have on Raw. <laughs> no, actually, I, th- I think he's going to lose to Seth for that title. I think he's going to stay chilled until WrestleMania. I think the whole concept is Roman getting beaten by him a year later. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't see that they're going to. We'll see. I think hands are turn. Him and him and Brock are going to be at SummerSlam. He's going to beat Brock. Or no, no, Brock's going to beat him. But it's because he has a fucked up arm. But we'll talk about other factors, in, in, including the game of what could possibly happen tomorrow uh, at 1 o'clock, or whenever it happens in Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah. The, I don't know. I would maybe pull the trigger earlier and just do... They're going to forget about the fact they have a brand split anyways. They just do the title versus title versus title or whatever else. No uh, man, so, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll 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 see. I think I think what they're doing, or what I hope they're doing, I should say, is for the better. Which I know everyone wants to see Cody with that fucking title, but hey, we all have to to wait. I'm fine with him not getting the title. I, I'm assuming that it's gonna be because of Randy. So that could be it. The the time hey, period of. If he goes for Seth and he loses because Randy fucks him over, that would be uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, I could see them doing something like that. But that storyline is just built in already with him, unless they want, unless Randy just wants to do a tag team with the King of Bros again, which I'm fine with. I thought they were a pretty fun tag team. Um, And we never really got the true payoff to that, like their actual breakup. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it just really depends on what, at this point, it's what Randy wants to do, right? Like, Randy's going to walk in there with an idea um, of whatever the hell he wants to do, and Triple H will be like, okay, sounds good, probably. I would guess. If I was Randy Orton, I was coming back from an injury, I'd want to do something with Cody. I don't know that I'd want to be a heel right off the bat. Um, I don't know that I would want to book that either, because Randy's going to come back to a huge fucking pop. He always does. Every time he goes away for an injury and comes back, people love him. And this time, he didn't leave as a heel. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, know, based on your booking, though, if you're going to piss off the crowd and turn your back heel, RKO of fucking Cody and and screw over for a title because that will definitely work. Because I think Cody, besides maybe Sammy, is the most beloved baby face, if that makes sense. I know Seth's up there, but like actual like people like God, man, they care about those guys because <laughs> they're just they're trying, you know. And Cody fucking was so much his dad on Raw, but we, we don't have to talk about that yet. You know, I don't. That know was dusty are... on Monday. Uh, I feel. I'm still going to go into the. I don't think people actually care about Seth Rollins's current character. They just like doing the song thing. Yeah, uh, I. I don't agree with that, but I understand that. I mean, his 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 fucking character is all over the place, but he's over as fuck. So, you know. But hey, I, I gotta ask you something. Um, we have WrestleMania 40 coming out. Um, Hulk Hogan's teasing he's gonna have a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
in what world if Stone Cold was going to come back and wrestle a match, would it be against Hulk Hogan? That's not. <laughs> he he turned down Brock Lesnar. He's going to do fucking Hogan. Like, nah. What Never. the fuck could Hogan do? He can't even do the leg drop anymore because his back's so fucked up. I mean, go in, there, go in there for ten seconds and catch a fucking stunner. <laughs> like, that would be what that it would match have to be a, a tag match, and I think that would be terrible. Ugh. Yeah, and look, yeah. If, yeah. Hulk has already been involved in a lot of modern manias to some extent. Does he really need one more match and? Like what? It's Hogan, so I'm answering my own question. Yeah, I was about to say, are you? Does Hulk Hogan need another ego boost at his age? Yes, he does. Come on, brother! I never got to go against Stone Cold because I'm the one who fucking opted out to go against Stone Cold back in the day, brother. Fuck yeah, for, for good reason because like Hogan and Rock worked way better than Hogan and Stone Cold because everyone would just cheered for fucking Stone Cold. Uh, yeah, because Stone Cold was supposed to beat Hollywood Hogan. I mean, that was the whole point of the fucking My Man Wars. Yeah, Heel Austin. The... Heel Austin in general just comes off as just regular fucking Austin because there's a very fine line between Hill Austin and because it's just more comedic version of babyface Stone Cold, really. Whereas, like, The Rock can actually be a full on dick heel. Um, which I mean, Stone Cold could too back in W, but but like by that time in Stone Cold's career, like the the heel version of Austin's not really wasn't really a thing. There was no way that people were going to cheer Hogan over Austin, so it was a smart move on him to turn that match down. Also, uh, Austin wouldn't have dealt with any of Hogan's bullshit. That's probably the other reason, <laughs> and he was probably worried about the the WCW days. Maybe Austin would get mad. And, Fuck him up or something. Uh, I don't know. It's a weirdo. I know. I I know. I know the relationship had problems. I know his body was broken down, and he tried to throw steroids on top of it. But I always wanted, like, to me, what perfectly would have happened would have been that pay per view in Toronto would have had uh, Hogan against The Rock, and then the Macho Madness would have gone against Uncle Steve Austin because they were the two fucking brawling assholes, like wouldn't want to see that match and uh yeah um hogan and rock is still a great match i mean i know not a lot happens but it's still one of my favorite i've watched it recently it's one of my favorite matches of all time and a lot of it has to do with the audience but still and a lot of it has to do with the two guys in the fucking ring and how rock knew all of a sudden out of nowhere oh shit i'm the heel in this and they switched it and made it look flawless uh, for all of us stupid, uh, you know, observers, if you will, but great match. Um, yeah, I don't know that that would have happened with Austin, though. That's that. That's the no. thing. The thing that's no, so Austin sp- would have been cheered. He would have he would have beaten Hulk Hogan, and everyone would have been happy about it. But it took The Rock actually to make that work. It really did. Yeah, there's there's more hateable about The Rock back then. Than there would have been about Stone Cold Steve Austin, even though Stone Cold had just what just came off a heel run but even when he was a heel people were like oh that's fucking hilarious so it's well yeah because when Austin was a heel everyone's gotta remember he he became the goofiest funniest version of himself like all the stuff with him and angle was when he was you know uh vince's little bitch buddy so yeah, but, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's weird it's weird but uh yeah hogan in general coming back for a match 
is a terrible idea unless you can build up like, you know, if you want to do Cody versus Roman with Hogan as a special guest referee and he wants to take like one bump or something like there, there are sure. ways to do it. Fine. Dude, Cody versus Roman. Uh, Rock is the special guest referee and Hogan's the special enforcer to keep the fucking bloodline hey. out of it or something. You, hey. There's ways to get him involved, but. Hey, Omos, come here, come here. Uh, look, uh, I'm sorry to ask you to do this, uh, but I, I talked to my dad. He's not really my dad, but he's kind of my dad. Um, he wants you to lose to Hulk Hogan, but dude, is Hulk Hogan? Yeah, he's 92. It doesn't matter. Like, just let him take the leg drop. He might break his back. Uh, one, two, three. You got it. All right, great. And that's what happened. I would, you know, I would advise them kind of leaning away from bringing someone like Hulk Hogan back, even if he was able to wrestle a match, simply because if you look at their recent ratings, they're, you know, they were always primarily the older crowd that was watching the show, and it shifted. They actually have a young audience. I don't know that Roland Hulk Hogan's old ass out there is going to, you know, keep those fans' attention. I think they're probably... I, I just do what my dad tells me to do. You know, <laughs> he's in my ear all the time. Uh, you know, uh. But actually, I mean, that really has to do with Raw, which will, you know, kind of coincide with uh, the pay-per-view tomorrow. But Raw... I mean, the... <laughs> Should we talk about anything besides the Cody stuff? Because matches were fine. I thought it was a good go-home show. Nothing was wrong with it, but, I mean, this was really about Cody Rhodes and him turning even more so into his father throughout the whole entire course of the night, right? Yeah, for the most part. That I mean, that's the real takeaway of Raw. They didn't, I don't think they even really built anything outside of the Cody story. No, if anything, they made Ali look even worse when Brock Lesnar was like, you're a little bitch. <laughs> He's trying to like pour his out, heart out into a promo because he's going against Gunther in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and Brock Lesnar just, oh man, that was that was like, what the fuck, man? Like, give Ali a little bit of fucking, what the fuck was that for? But we had a really cool match with Ricochet and Bronson Reed. That was awesome, but there you go. Bronson Reed's gotten a lot better in the ring. He has. Just as oh, a I was gonna, caveat. I was going to ask you, um, should Seth try to, I don't know, inhabit more of how he came off in those interviews of Corey Graves than how he interacts with the people? Because I felt like Came off way more personable. I mean, he said a lot of stuff that would, you know, uh, make fucking WWE-only uh, fans happy, you know, bitching about Roman Reigns, stuff like that. But at the same time, I felt like he came off more endearing and um, not as forced with his Joker impersonations, basically. So should he maybe head in that direction? how he performed with co with uh whatever the fuck Corey graves uh you know more so than reality yes anything he could do other than what he does every time he gets the microphone in his hand in the middle of the ring would be better 
Let's hope that happens. But all right, so I'll, I'll sum up the Cody thing. Uh, we we start off with some footage from earlier before where Cody gets there. He's all smiles, you know, waving hi to people. And then Brock Lesnar just beats a living fuck out of him. Slams him around and then he takes him to a one of the garage doors and puts him up towards it and takes what definitely was an empty keg, but still, I mean, it's Brock Lesnar. Takes a keg and slams it into his arm. Cody sells it perfectly. Later on, we have Brock Lesnar, like I said, interrupting Ali, coming out to the ring, talking about Cody Rhodes and, you know, kind of mocking him. Cody, much like his daddy, comes out, you know, arm and cast. He's got fucking, you know, bags of ice and shit like that. Gets in the ring. He, you know, rips off the fucking shit that he has on his arm. And as soon as that happened, Brock Lesnar's laughing. He beats the shit out of him. Puts him in the Kimura lock. Breaks his arm. He even does that whole entire action where it looks like he broke his arm like he did with Triple H years ago. Uh, Cody's selling it a million bucks. Uh, I'll throw that at you first before we talk about the Triple H stuff because I have different ways that I can look at that whole entire thing. But until Pierce called Triple H, what do you think about Cody being so babyface for his own good, if you will? with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So I, I did actually like the Cody stuff. I mean, it, it definitely had a bit like retro feel to it, similar to what we've seen with dusty in the past. But what I was expecting was, you know, he, he has the broke arm. They, they break his arm with Kimura lock instead of all this extracurricular stuff. He just shows up at the pay-per-view with like a hard cast on and starts using it as a weapon <laughs> against Brock when Brock gets too wild uh, in a cheeky way, you know, because of, his past experiences uh, being in factions with Randy Orton, whose dad's Bob Orton. I thought they were doing something like that, but uh, this thing went on. Now, the thing I don't know is, is Cody hurt? Does he have like a high ankle sprain or something weird that we don't know about? Cause WWE likes to do that where they cover an injury with a different injury to lead into the match. Um, but I haven't heard anything specifically. Have you heard anything specifically about Cody having any other kind of injuries here? No, I, I think that Dave, Mike, or 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 Sean would have uh, elaborated on that. But who knows? But I really think this is a way. And, you know, I'll kind of correlate the, uh, the last part with Triple H into this. To me, this is them setting up a reason for Cody to lose with Brock tomorrow. And I say that mainly because I don't trust, and I don't know why anyone would. uh, And I know we haven't really had a good authority style figure in a long time, uh, pretty much ever since Vince, but still I don't trust triple H. I thought that ending part where triple H was, was, you know, Paul, uh, Pierce, I almost said Paul Pierce, but, uh, you know, um, Pierce called someone and we find out that person is Triple H to talk reason to Cody because Cody's not accepting help. He doesn't want to accept help from the doctor because he knows that will not allow him to have a match in Saudi Arabia against Brock Lesnar. And Triple H, you know, 
just talking to Cody and just being very frank with them and straight up and even saying like, hey man, I know exactly what this is like because Triple H also, kayfabe, had his arm broke from Brock Lesnar. And Cody even says to him like, so what would you do? Well, there's a part towards the end where Cody's not looking at Triple H after acting like a tough ass the whole entire time. And Triple H gives this, like, smirk towards him. That smirk could be like, you know, he's going to figure it out or whatever. It might be very innocent. But to me, thinking about Hunter, this is a smirk that lets me know that there's something fucking up with this that's not right. And then you go to Cody afterwards, his reaction goes from confidence to kind of fear. I don't know, and I have no reason to... We'll talk more about it, because we're going to go from this to the pay-per-view, but I don't know. I, I feel like Triple H... Something's up with him, man. Uh, I don't trust him right now. Uh, he should have... I mean, I understand, like, if you, if you think about it, like, he was very adamant with Cody, but remember, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, as soon as Roman came out, he announced him he gave Paul and Roman a big old hug and gave, like, I think Roman a kiss on the forehead or some shit like that. <sighs> Should I, Am I crazy for thinking that Hunter Hearst Helmsley could be trying to do some devious shit right now with Cody Rhodes? You know, the guy that b- broke the throne, all that stuff. Am I am I am I overthinking what I'm seeing at all, Chris? No, I mean I didn't think about it that hard, but it would make a lot of sense. More so the fact that Brock Lesnar's fucking pissed off at Paul Heyman and Roman and the bloodline and the way he kind of got fucked over. Uh well who's talking to who's talking to Paul Heyman? Who's been the guy that's communicated in between? Who's the guy that will be able to talk between Paul and Brock Lesnar. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, it's who has that guy been? We don't know. Could it be Hunter? That's kind of what I was getting at is maybe Hunter has officially recruited Brock Lesnar to be his fucking new attack dog. Um, and that gives you something for Roman to do, right? Because Brock isn't. He wasn't drafted. Isn't he one of those free agents? So he can go anywhere. Uh, but then you could build in the storyline. If you want to do something with Hunter and Cody, you could do that. You could have, you know, Brock destroy Cody. Uh, I didn't think about it that way, but it is, that is a very good point. They could be doing something crazy like that. That would be some really good fucking storytelling. If Brock's like, oh, bloodline, you thought I forgot about you guys. <laughs> now I got Hunter on my side. He runs this entire company right now. So buckle up buttercups. And he just fucking goes on a rampage through Solo and Roman for a while. It gives Roman something to do. Brock something to do. Cody's got something to do. You know, it's it's good. That would be good shit. I don't know if they'll do that, but that would be cool. My theory's a little bit different, but we'll get into that. Uh, let's talk about uh, tomorrow's event, though. The United Champions, the Saudi Arabia. I was really happy to see people like, you know, apparently this has been a couple times for Saf Ali, but like or, uh, Sami Zayn, who 
understandably so, has not participated in the Saudi Arabia events, you know, is in this one. I think he might have been a part of the last one, but him posting about going to Mecca and how much that meant for him as, you know, a person, I was very happy for him and Ali and a lot of the other people that expressed it on, uh, you know, Instagram or whatever social media platform. So this show is pretty awesome because, all right, say what you want about involvement with Saudi Arabia. I get that. It's unfortunate, but they have three, three fucking female matches on this between the one with Becky and Trish and the two championship matches. And I think that's pretty awesome that a company can bring that. Now, is there some blood money involved? Probably. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anything from a, you know, Saudi Arabia doesn't involve that, but I'm just saying that was not available at all. The first show we had, that was never going to happen. And now that's a norm. And to see fucking Roman Bianca as, you know, all over Saudi Arabia on billboards and whatnot in Jeddah and seeing wrestlers that get to go to Mecca uh, inexperience that themselves like Sammy and Mustafa Ali. I guess that's that's a good silver lining, Chris, in all this. I don't know. It is, and it also kind of shows just the growth the country can have or society can have and and what we would die what four years since they've been doing this? Three or four years? Um because originally they didn't want Sammy there at all, which is why Kevin was never there. It's also part of the reason why John Cena refused to go there. Uh, there were multiple reasons, you know, for these people not to go to the to go to these Saudi shows. So the fact that he's even going to be having a match on the card at this point is is kind of crazy. And like you said, the three women's matches. Like if we go back. I don't think there was a single women's match on the original card, the first Saudi card they did. Um, and then the second time they went back, they did the, you know, Saudi, the Saudi government was allowing women to drive, which was a huge deal. And they had a woman's a women's match on the card. So, I mean, I don't live there. I don't keep up with news and politics that much. I don't know everything that is currently going on. But in the state of WWE and Saudi holding these events, there seems to be progress, right? Um, if I'm Sami Zayn, I'm 50 sitting the fuck out of this and showing up with a bulletproof vest, though, as a just-in-case. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. <laughs> like, All right. There obviously was a reason that there was such a huge outcry for him not to be there the first like ten times they did this event, and then he yeah you know, he, he talks about getting going to Mecca, getting to Mecca and stuff. Like there are reasons why if I was Sammy Zayn, I would fucking put a bulletproof vest on as a just in case <laughs> during this match. Um, hopefully everything goes off without a hitch, man. Like I yeah. You know, I, I want wrestling to be worldwide. I want people to be nice to each other. That would be great, but, you know, one step at a time. I do love that WWE is having pay-per-views. It's making them look... And, you know, actually, this works for AEW, too, uh, with the fact that they're going to have uh, Wembley with All In 
Now, before that, I mean, the next pay-per-view after Double or Nothing is Forbidden Door with New Japan. We don't know where that's going to be exactly. So it's always like, I don't know. There is different style crowds uh, for every country you go to. And there are different atmospheres all in general that encompass. And obviously, you have a lot of times, whether it be WWE of Puerto Rico or, or UK, where they don't get to experience this as much. So they bring so much more passion than you're used to seeing with uh, different you know, U.S. audiences. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um... One more thing going back to the Cody Rhodes and, and the fact that this event is at Saudi. Do you think it, like, the way I originally read it, it was like, they're going to give Cody an out for losing this match because they're not going to put fucking Captain America Cody Rhodes over <laughs> in Saudi against Brock, who is always well-loved in Saudi uh, when he shows up. That's kind of how I read what they were doing. The the additional yeah. story stuff you threw in there, I just assumed this is an out so that Brock can beat him and keep Cody strong. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I think that that definitely has something to do with it, though. Um, I Cody mean, he's, is uh, he's Captain fucking, America. Yeah, he's fucking Hulk Hoganing right now, pretty hard with all the red, white, and blue he has not only tattooed on his neck but all over his ring gear and the bleach on oh, here and uh, being kind of the guy. So. Even if they don't do the storyline thing, I understand why they decided to do this injury angle headed into that match. Because uh, we, when Brock went against Roman uh, in that Hell in the Cell match, Brock was heavily cheered. Like uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess people just know Brock on a wider realm than some of these wrestlers. Oh yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go into this because I have my uh, predictions like I said, for tomorrow, especially with that match. Before we get to that, the three women's matches, all of them seem like they're going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus for no title, just because they're both badasses. Singles match, to me, I think, Chris, personally to me, especially since Trish is, she was literally drafted, so I I really feel like Trish is going to be hanging around Probably not as long as, you know, other people in the industry, but, like, maybe she's trying to do, like, a last round. I feel like she's going to do something heelish with this match with Becky to get the win. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I was kind of thinking opposite, where she'll frustrate Becky till Becky goes back to heel Becky. Oof. Yeah. You know, they don't like to keep her and Seth both babyface at the same time for whatever reason. So I I actually bought I, I you know, I kind of went into I could see Trish going heel as well because that was my prediction for Mania. I thought that it was gonna be her and Lita couldn't get along, they fight and they set up that match for the next pay-per-view. Well Trish Trish already won heel. I mean she already beat up fucking Lita. And, uh, I mean, her promos have been very heelish I, towards uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, 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 guess. I don't know. I could, see, I could see Becky digging in deep and doing something crazy here. Do, do people want to boo Trish? That's the, that's the thing, I guess. 
It it makes she's sense been, with the, the Lita storyline, but this this last week she did a pretty good job, I think, of getting people to boo her ass. But she's having to like, I mean, but Becky put a an awesome. We're gonna talk about like you know. Oh no, we already talked about Rob, but like. Becky's saying, like, you know, the only time that you've had this much reaction, you're on your fucking all fours barking like a dog and just getting very personal with Trish. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting regardless, I think. I wonder how heel Trish can actually go, being that she's on that can- Canada's Got Talent show. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here, here's one that should be a good match, but obviously the winner's the winner. But for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. This should be a really good match, but Rhea's going to win this, obviously. Yeah, and if you're into BDSM, this will be the match, because they're both going to show up in full-ass leather cat suits, um, like they have done previously. <laughs> uh, yeah, Natalia literally uh, emphasis on the cat suit. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming Rhea's going to win. Hopefully it's a good match. I, it's a good opponent for this, you know, this setting. And um, I guess the question would be, where's Rhea going to go next? Opponent-wise. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all right, we have next for the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair and Asuka. Um. I kind of hope Oscar wins and sends Bianca in a heel turnaround, but I, I feel like it's probably gonna be Bianca with the win. But it would be cool to see Oscar spit mist in her face, beat her for the championship, and Bianca kind of go down a bad route after that. Because I don't know, I, I feel like Herman Montez Ford, both in singles, both as heels as like a power couple would be really cool, but I don't know if that's going to happen. How they do such a terrible job. I mean, we've had Seth and Becky as both top heels. Oh, good point. Did anything with, but triple H wasn't in charge then. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll do something that would be cool. I mean, I want Montez Ford as a singles wrestler. Cause I feel like there's a, a high ceiling there in general. And, uh, Bianca's held the belt for a while. Be okay if she she drops it here. This Oscar really could, you know. She's never has Oscar ever won the fucking title. Yeah. Oh, she She, has. Yeah, she beat Charlotte for the. Well, I don't know if it was that belt specific. She's won a women's title since coming to the main roster. I don't know if it was specifically the Raw belt or the SmackDown belt because why the fuck are there two belts? But. Uh, yes, she beat Charlotte for the title. Um, all right, but yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I would almost, if I, if I was booking this match, I would just see which one the crowd reacts to and then have that person win. Cause you can always just switch the belt back at the next pay-per-view. There you go. I'm assuming that Oscar is going to be more over in this match. Like she has been the majority of times that she's been in the ring with Bianca so far. And hopefully she has, honestly, like, the last match, not saying Bianca's match with Asuka at WrestleMania wasn't good, but if you're talking about a Joshi talent, the one that fucking Bianca just had with uh, Io, Io Sky, Io Shirai, 
was one of the best fucking matches I think on that card, if not the best. So I I almost write that off as they got two in their own head because of the fucking Charlotte Rhea match the night before, which is still well, dude, just a, best matches of the year so far. Yeah, no, agreed. All right, next match. Gunther, Masa, M- M- let me say this the correct way so I don't, you know, sound like an asshole. Mustafa Ali. So Gunther, Mustafa Ali for the Intercontinental Championship. Hey, what I hope is this is a less than 10-minute match. I hope that Ali gets one hope spot, does some cool shit, gets the audience into him, and Gunther destroys him and wins easily. I mean, like I said, I want to see Ali do some good stuff in this match, but, I mean, this really should be a match where Gunther fucking kills him pretty quickly, right, Chris? Oh, man. Uh, this is actually just kind of my surprise win of the night. I think I have Mustafa winning by, like, a pit, a roll-up or something. Put Gunther in more position for the main title or some shit like that? Yeah. And just, like... Him and, him and Seth will be... Well, I guess I just revealed who I think is going to win the fucking thing, but him and Seth would be a, a good feud. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's part that. The only problem is is you have to have Gunther lose. I don't know how you protect like he ha- Mustafa would have to win via like a roll up Darby Allen style here for it to make sense just cuz Gunther's been such a fucking monster. Um I'm just thinking about like how they normally book these Saudi shows and how they kind of lean towards the babyface victories and they're going to want at least one title change on this thing. And this one kind of falls into the, like, this could be your title. It'll either be this or the Oscar match for the one title change. Um, yeah, I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, yeah, I could see this. I mean, they could just, Gunther could just win the fucking thing back. The only thing is, is like they have the, the streak, but they have streaks going on with like all of their titles right now or did previously. Uh, before you know the Usos lost, they they still have the thousand day reign of Roman. Um, Bianca has a streak going as well, right? Like, hasn't she yelled that thing for? Bianca has a streak. Um, Gunther has a streak. Roman uh, Usos did obviously until they lost. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, eventually you have to end one of these streaks. Gunther should be in the main event picture in general, but uh, he's going to have to drop that belt before he gets there. So maybe this is the time to do it. Uh, the only problem is you would think you'd want to rematch or whatever. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you get there and make like make Mustafa believable enough to actually beat Gunther in a match. And the the problem is is you've booked the guy so shitty for so long, it's really hard to rehab him. Yeah. Well, all right, next match, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Bloodline. Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. Um, I think Kevin and Sami are winning this because I think the Usos, on their way to becoming babyfaces, are going to fuck something up for Roman and Solo. So that's my 
my prediction, but Solo is going to take the pin no matter what. Roman will not. See, I kind of have it the opposite of you, where I think Roman might actually eat the pin to just set up tension between him and Solo. But I, I do think the Usos will get involved in, in some form or faction uh, and cost them the match. But there's also the Roman took the pin uh, in this tag match because it's not going to hurt Roman to lose in a tag match. It's OK if he loses in a tag match, guys. Uh, that would be a big shocking moment if, you know, Kevin Owens hits him with a pop-up powerbomb, gets a pin or something. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can definitely see that. All right, all right, so for the tournament final, World Heavyweight Championship, Seth freaking Rollins, AJ Styles. This, <laughs> um, compared to Cody and Brock, or KO and Sammy against the Bloodline. Uh, this has my least amount of interest compared to those two matches. So more so than everything else, but I'm just saying third on the list. But it is, it should be the best fucking work match in the ring. I mean, I love the two matches I've seen with AJ Styles and Seth freaking Rollins. One of them is a match they had in NWA for a random pay-per-view uh, that Ring of Honor was a part of uh, back when Seth was Tyler Black and AJ Styles won. And then the next match is actually their match they had, I want to say, at Money in the Bank. It might have been SummerSlam, but awesome match back and forward. Seth ended up winning. So this is kind of like the rubber match if you if you're a wrestling fan, you know, especially like Chris who actually lived <laughs> when this was going on um because I was out of wrestling at that point, but should be an awesome match. I Seth is going to win this match and there's a good chance AJ will be full heel by the end of it, maybe getting his group to try to help him out with winning, but somehow Seth I think is going to pull it off and beat AJ Styles for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I have Seth as well. Like you said, the least amount of interest in this match out of the rest of the matches. Uh, maybe Gunther and Mustafa Ali. I, guess, I mean, that wasn't necessarily the best build of all time either. But uh, as far as, like, if, like you said, if you're looking at this thing on fucking paper and just, like, what'll be good matches, the two that stand out are Asuka versus Bianca in, in this match with AJ versus, uh, <laughs> almost called him Tyler Black, damn it, Seth Rollins. Uh, this should be the highlight of the night. I'm assuming that they're going to give it 20, 30 minutes. It'll be one of the two. It'll either be the Bianca match or this AJ match as far as the match of the night and those will probably be the two that you'll want to watch afterwards unless there's some craziness that happens in some other match like a big angle or something but um the cody roman match or the, the not cody roman the cody brock match is going to be entertaining for what it is but i think it's probably going to last all of three minutes and that's like more of an angle than an actual match so yeah all right well that match itself cody rose Brock Lesnar singles match. Um, I have no idea if what Wikipedia put down is the actual lineup. I'll say that again. 
like I have in the past. But Cody Rose, Brock Lesnar. I think this is going to be a match where Cody is going to try to be stay true as a baby face, put up with enough of Brock's shit. He will not give up, and eventually, for some reason, guys that he talked to, knowing that in the past, you know, all of us wrestling fans know this, maybe not, you know, we're not supposed to be mainstream about it, but Cody had a loss. One time with a guy named MJF, we threw the towel for Cody against Chris Jericho and ended up causing Cody the title uh, or any chance to go against for the AEW title. I feel like something similar is going to happen with this, but uh, Trips, Triple H, he's going to run out in Cody's defense and either, if he doesn't throw in a title, try to stop the match completely get very pissed up because what I think is going to happen eventually, and this might be a prediction, Cody to get him on track with Roman Reigns for WrestleMania, like I, is, like I said, my prediction, um, where he finally beats Roman for that title. We're going to have Triple H kind of, and I know, like I said, authority figures and Triple H has been one before with the authority, literally. Um, I think Triple H actually is devious. He's way more devious than he gives off. I think he's going to try to help Cody away from himself, or that's going to be what he tells Cody after he throws in the towel or does whatever, uh, interferes with the ending of this match to help prolong Cody's career. But in the end, he's going to fucking stab him in the back, and Brock's going to be in cahoots with Triple H. Paul Heyman's going to be in Cahoots Triple H. And we're going to see eventually in the future one night where Triple H gets the fucking heel on Cody and he's going to start punching him and maybe say something like, you want to break my throne? Whack in the face. You're just a fucking pissant. Or what, what, what the hell did he tell Billy Gunn? Like, you know, you're just a pissant, just like your father. Whack. And maybe finally Roman will make whoever take Triple H off of him and beat the shit out of him. And he's all in cahoots. It's all in cahoots. Him and Roman have like a mutual respect style thing. Paul Heyman, the same thing. Brock Lesnar. And it's all against Cody to fuck him over on every aspect until he can finally beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania after winning the Royal Rumble. And fucking saying, fuck you, Roman. And the next Mania, he is finally the champion. Progress to what Triple H did to him. But, you know, it doesn't matter what fucking Paul Heyman and Roman does to him. It's all going to be a year of Cody getting fucked over. I hope you're ready for it. hope you have the game for it. Do you think they would do a towel finish in Saudi? Well, are you saying like it might be racist or something like that? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no goddammit, no. Like they they oh. would do like a kind of weird, wacky ass finish like that? I mean, well they have done that Or 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 where Triple H just comes out and is like, That's it, that's it, man. You've already fucking heard him. Like, what are you doing? You know, just get in Brock's face. Put put this whole entire motion forward and then have Cody out for a little while. They go and have a match finally where Cody beats Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And then after that, shortly after that, 
Triple H shows his real cards and just fucks over Cody. And he gets the beating of his lifetime from the guy that he looks up to. And, you know, like I said, Hunter just has like, oh, you thought you were going to break my throne? Wham, wham. Oh, oh, okay. You're just a pissant. Like your father. Like your friends. You should go back to him. Wham, wham. Something like that. Something, something. And and I, I here's the thing. I know AEW fans are going to be like, they better not. You know, if they just fucking allude to that much of it, shut the fuck up. Because I don't know how many times they go through every week with AEW bringing up WWE. So if Paul were to bring it up for that type of thing, I mean, he did destroy his fucking throne. Do we not fucking remember that? Is that is that forgotten to us? I was going to say, I mean, with, the ex- with the exception of Thunder Rosa, who actually was worked for WWE, isn't their entire new roster for their new show fucking people that work for WWE? I'm just saying, it all makes sense. And then we get Cody more so towards, all right, he's got to go through Brock, and then he's got to go through Triple H. Maybe Randy Orton fucks him over next, because he's in cahoots. And then he's got to go through that. And Roman could literally come out while they're beating the shit out of him and just like look, smile and turn around and go back. And that's it. And that's the only interaction he has with Roman until he fucking wins Royal Rumble to go back to WrestleMania to defeat Roman for the fucking title. His daddy lost in the garden against Billy Graham, the WWE title, not the world heavyweight title. He's already had the WWE title. He doesn't need the lineage of that. He needs the fucking one that Roman has so he can take those two titles and make his big, beautiful fucking winged eagle belt that he's been talking about. That's what I want. So I'm going to play along with this theory because I didn't think about it as hard as you did on Monday until you brought it up. But uh, what if they do kind of similar to what you're talking about, but, you know, Brock puts him in a Kimura with a broken arm, Cody taps, Brock lets it go, Triple H comes out and he's like, put it back on. And he puts it back on, and then you know Triple H gets. Hey, if, out. if they want, if they want to start this shit up even quicker, go for it. I'm just trying to give them time until after SummerSlam to fuck around with it. But if Triple H wants to fuck him over tomorrow, I'm down. I'm completely down, guys. This is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We should not. I know he made NXT for all of us, but in retrospect, he's one of the biggest heels in the last 20 years. He's Don't trust guy. that motherfucker. He's a game. So he uh, and this, so- this, this type of relationship with Roman, followed by Brock Lesnar, followed by maybe even Randy Orton, Chris, could be the closest they've had to the McMahon Helmsley authority Vince thing than they've ever had before. Because everyone's gonna hate fucking uh, Triple H if he fucks over Cody. And you know? if if he does something like that. He, you maybe it's because Brock is just still pissed about Paul and in the Roman situation he joins, and then Triple H, uh, Triple H uh, didn't mean to do that, but uh, Triple H gets someone like Austin Aries. Does he start like a new evolution to go against the Bloodline? Like, could you do something like that? I I think he would be in cahoots with them, and maybe until a point where maybe like Roman pisses him off, but. I think everything against Cody. Cody went and made that of the company. He thought he could do better. Comes back here, you know. Let's 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 show an example out of him, basically. 
I mean, Triple H is already pissed off at Roman. He's the new king of shovel style. <laughs> so, no. Dude, Roman is... I hate to say it, but like, I mean, I've always said this. Like, He's basically 70% Triple H now and 30% The Rock at this point. Uh, yeah, so maybe Triple H is like, you're the tribal chief, I'm still the king of kings. And then you set up something. Hey, I, I, yeah. I could see it because like, you know, if you're building a prototypical version of evolution, like Austin theory is like your could be your like Randy Orton. Then you have your Batista, which is Brock Lesnar. And then you could get, yeah, I, I pick, pick someone really. You could pick, uh, you know, Randy Orton, but also Orton. And then you still have Cody fighting these two groups from the outside as the lone baby face, maybe Sammy and uh, Kevin helping him here and there. But maybe but it, you maybe also have the bloodline. A small connection where you can like go with the bloodline stuff of how Roman's pissed off at the Usos, and what can happen with that going on SmackDown, and now Cody's direction still is towards Roman inevitably, but he's on Raw, and a big thing is him versus Triple H versus whoever the fuck Triple H has against him. So it's like. There's two storylines, but they still dive into each other. And what I'm giving a little bit of credit, Chris, is the fact that Triple H was able to do that this last year fairly well. So it's still the same thing, the fucking bloodline with Roman on top. But now it's split because Cody brings that much more. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I mean, Cody could be fucking Seth Rollins. On on SummerSlam for the world title and never go against Roman. But if it were me and what I think Triple H has shown, I feel like this could easily be the path of going down. We just have to be patient and see what the fuck they have in front of us. Yeah, I, I dig it with either either of the things that we we put out there. I just didn't recognize the smirk and kind of the the conversation between Cody and Triple H being as devious as it was. I literally yeah, thought. Why, why, did, why did he smirk and why did Cody look so fucking like, oh shit, what the hell did I get myself into afterward? Like deal, deal with the devil kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. huh. I, I, like I said, I, when I watched it, I didn't even recognize it. I watched it back while we were talking and, oh yeah, there totally is something there. Could just be planting seeds. I mean, I think a lot of this, like I said, is just because they don't want Cody to win in Saudi. They're going to have Brock beat him. But there's a lot of story you could tell off of that. I think either way you wanted to do it, I think it would be really cool to see like a new edition of Evolution with uh, fucking Brock as the giant meathead trying to kill the bloodline just because Triple H is tired of Roman's bullshit or whatever and also is annoyed by Cody. I think there's some fun things you could could do there. Uh, you could even do something where Seth is getting fucked over in this situation. All of Roman's family leaves him and you get babyface Roman if they want to pull. There's a lot of different things you could do there. We do know the rumor for Mania if they can't get the rock once again, it's going to be either Cody versus Roman or solo versus Roman, depending on what they want to do with those three belts they have. Um, and that's kind of how they book going forward. But yeah, I, I love that idea. I think it's cool. either way. I think would be really, really cool. I thought of it as just like, they're going to do the out and then, 
you know, Seth will probably win because, you know, Cody, or not Cody, Randy's coming back and they'll just set up something with him and Randy for a while up until like Rumble and then Cody will win the Rumble again. That was what I thought, but what you're putting out there is way cooler. So hopefully they're thinking <laughs> more yeah. in the direction of what you're thinking. Because when I think about WWE, I just think about how they, for their main event, they actually do a good job of long-term booking for the most part. Of We have an idea. It's how they get to the idea that they normally either execute really well on or somehow fail in between. So I just, you know, normally when you start hearing the rumors of who they want in the main event of Mania, you can kind of build what the rest of the fucking year is going to look like off of that. Yeah. I, I feel like Cody's going to get the the big thing. He, he just has to wait a little bit. And um, I don't know. Um, it, it's funny because, like, be I don't know. He might be. I was going to say, he might have to wait until he has a son 20 years, 25 years from now. <laughs> it is WWE well, we're talking about. <laughs> hope, hope, well, if that's the case, then it's going to be his second son. Because the first son's not, they'll make him do like, you know, become a drag queen as a character. Uh, I love you, Dustin. Dustin, you're one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, but... But yeah, I, I I really feel like something like this is gonna happen, and it's just uh, we just we we just have to wait and and see. If it doesn't happen, we're gonna know really quickly uh, based on tomorrow. I think. I mean, it would be amazing, and they would never do this. But just right at the beginning of the match, Cody turns around, puts on brass knucks, and lays fucking Brock out, and that's just the end of the match. And then they set up the match for Monday, <laughs> so they could tell whatever story they want to tell. Because like my my biggest thing is like if they do some kind of weird fuckery finish, it's it's gonna it's gonna go over like a pile of shit anyway. So. Um, maybe with Triple H it'll be a little better. Maybe they'll do your idea just because it, it is Triple H. But uh, Triple H has a bad track record here in Saudi. <laughs> so, who knows? Hey, you know, at one point I, I lost to John Cena the first time uh, he decided to come. But And then I had a match with uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, thank God he saved us. God damn, man. I... You know, that, that's one thing that pissed me off, Chris, is the fact that that main event, Shawn Michaels pulled off a great match with no Triple H and Undertaker and Kane. And then he decided after that, yeah, I can't have any more matches. Like, uh, that was... But no, you were the good thing. You did a moonsault to the outside. And... God damn, man. <laughs> Sean's <laughs> never going to fucking have a match with AJ Styles or Seth Rollins. Never going to happen. Maybe, he'll have a match. Maybe we'll have a match with Hogan at WrestleMania 40. <laughs> I mean, I know he'll probably self the fuck out for him. Uh, uh, yeah, he overdid it beforehand. Um, but I don't know. Tomorrow's going to be a fun pay-per-view, man. I, I, I'm excited about it. I don't expect that fucking Cody... No matter what, I don't expect Cody and Brock to go that long. So, if that's the main event, it's probably not going to be a good main event. 
I will say, like, in general, I wish more wrestling companies would do well. I wish AEW in WWE during non football season. I actually like an afternoon of wrestling. I'm not against. That's like the the one thing I like about these Saudi pay-per-views is they start at like one o'clock. I can watch them midday, you know, just like people do with football. Then I have other shit I can do at night. So it'd be cool if like. Oh, I. I... (laughs) Sorry, I I was gonna say I I was getting shit from my coworker Katie. She was like, I told her like, oh, Saturday I'm gonna probably be drunk, kind of early in the daytime, and she's like, why? Are you watching wrestling? And I go. Yeah, even like fake sports need alcohol to help them out. You went to the Braves game yesterday only because you want to get that outcast fucking bobblehead. Goddamn, hootie who, man. I wish I went actually to get that. I wish I went just because Malcolm Jamal Warner was performing outcast songs with his band beforehand. Yes, that is uh, the guy from Eddie and also the Cosby show. Uh, but yeah, happy Outcast Day, by the way. It was Outcast Day here yesterday in Atlanta, so they town down. I hope they uh, decide to maybe get back together based on how many people came out for their fucking bobblehead. Just two <laughs> dope boys in the Cadillac, who do you? Well, there was there was only the first thousand people got the bobblehead, so hopefully no one <laughs> no one got real College Park up in there. Dude, the- they were selling oh. that shit afterwards for five hundred dollars a fucking pop. Five hundred dollars for a double bobblehead with Andre and Big Boy. Well, there's only a thousand of them, so maybe they're they're worth that if you're a big Outcast fan. So, uh, like I'm gonna. Baby. We should just. I'm just gonna start every time CM Punk brings up Chicago in his return. Next episode, I am just gonna talk about very Atlanta ass shit. So when I go on a tirade about how good Pastor Troy is, you guys will know why. Hey, well, you know, I mean, even though he's not popular anymore, Connie's from Chicago. Uh, Lupe Fiasco. From Chicago, Pharrell. He's from Chicago, so they have a couple of good MCs. Yeah, but the world's not ready for my tirade on Tom Glavin and how great he is. <laughs> I don't even know who Tom Glavin is, even though I'm probably <laughs> supposed to know that. Chris. He was a legendary pitcher from the Braves Hall of Fame. All right, uh, so let's talk about Dynamite, and um, I gotta say, like. I think Raw was the greatest, I guess because of Cody it was, but like for a go-home show, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed, I gotta be honest with you. I I mean, it's the Four Pillars storyline in general for me that is more of the disappointment. Uh, I liked the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club stuff, specifically Moxley's promos throughout the night I thought were really, really good. This is a general overview of the show. And the Orange Cassidy match, like his last 28 defenses of this title, which that's how many times he has defended this fucking title, was was a really good match. Yeah, first match, him and Kyle Fletcher, awesome match. Or, like I said, what the hell is this title called? Not All-Atlantic, I always forget. International Championship, sorry. But Orange Cassidy went against Kyle Fletcher to start off it was definitely an Orange Cassidy match, and I mean that actually in a positive way, but these guys had a good match. 
Uh, and Kyle Fletcher and oh, I'm forgetting his tag team partner. Uh, but Aussie Open is officially, they dropped their titles. Uh, they had both the New Japan Open tag team titles and the New Japan titles tag team. And they won. Um, weird, man. Uh, but, or no, no, they didn't win. They dropped them and now they're officially a part of AEW. Which I'm assuming they're going to collision. Probably. Just based, I mean, just based off their ring style, and I, I'm I'm gonna think that Dynamite is gonna be more of the trios world, and you'll get like FTR ass tag team on Collision. Yeah, probably. I mean, that would be a great team to like you know feud with FTR going forward. They have a, they have something to get over themselves because FTR was out. They had a promo. Of course, we had uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and their wonderful team come out, causing shit. And Marsh Briscoe came out and basically, like, I think he pushed everyone. Um, he pushed Cash and Dax, and then he went out and also pushed Jay Lethal on his ass and Jeff Jarrett. So. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against FTR with Mark Briscoe. Hey, hey all yeah. I gotta say from this, can we get Mark Briscoe away from all this? He could be a great singles babyface for the title, honestly. Or go back to my original idea of him and Jay Lethal being in a tag team as one of the fucking greatest tag teams on the planet, because that'd be incredible. Uh, well, which they apparently just... Mark doesn't want to do. Um, he doesn't want to do tag team with his brother now, so. Yeah, I, I know, but, Sucks, it, but this I will say this is a great segment. Mark Briscoe looked like a million fucking bucks in this thing. And and him and Dax having like a single feud will be really great as well because fucking Dax is like, Oh, I'm sorry about accidentally pile driving you last week and it was like heat of the moment thing or whatever. <laughs> and he and, and he's like, How about we shake and agree to disagree kind of thing? And he holds his hand out. And fucking Mark Briscoe won't shake it. He's like, you don't disrespect me on TV. And then Mark just slaps the absolute piss out of him. It's fucking yeah. great. And then uh, Cash like breaks it up and Mark bails out of the ring. And like Karen Jarrett's there and Jeff Jarrett's there. And they're all fucking happy. They're like, oh, this is going to be great because he's a special guest referee. He's mad at these guys. He pushes Karen Jarrett. He pushes Jeff. Slaps the piss out of another guy. Gets to Jay Lethal and he's like, hey, you're still my friend and all, but like, I'm tired of this bullshit. And then just leaves. I was like, Mark Briscoe's fucking yep. great. Uh, that's the entire segment for that. I don't know if that was in order or not, but that was one of the best segments on the, on the fucking show. Mark Briscoe's a goddamn legend. They need to be doing more with him. Yep. And I unfortunately think this whole entire feud's kind of taken back a little bit, but I think he can easily recover. Uh, we had um, House of Black, Destroy Blake Christian, AR Fox, and Grand Metalik. Good seeing Grand Metalik, uh, you know, show up. That was kind of cool, but they were there to uh, get their asses kicked. Um, then uh, MJF came out and he was talking nonstop shit. Darby came out. He had a little bit of a showing of, of Sammy Guevara and 
look, no one gives a fuck besides MJF and Darby Allen. I mean, really, this should be the feud. And I don't know. Like, I know Sammy, now he's pushing babyface. It seems like he's not really a part of Jericho's group. And look, I've watched the show. I understand why you're trying to push now him as a babyface, but I hope he shows through true colors in the four match. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. It sucks that like the title match itself, I don't care about as much. And I really feel like Chris, if it was just him and Darby, this would be way more crucial on the main event. But I don't even think they're going to end this fucking show. I think it's going to be the Elite versus the Black Hole Combat Club. That would be a change for them because they do normally end with the title match. So, uh, I mean, this match is going to be fucking good. There's great. I mean, there's really good wrestlers. There's two great wrestlers in there and two good wrestlers in there. Um, yeah, it should be a really good match. Uh, I feel like there's going to be hey. fuckery in this match. I think Jungle Boy might turn heel. We'll get into that when we get to the pay-per-view, but as far as this promo goes, the fucking funniest thing about this is I immediately noticed that Darby was taller than normal, and MJF was like, why are you out here wearing stilts? And I laughed. I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, just good stuff. Um, All right, well, next match. Ty Valkyrie, uh, Lady Frost. It was good seeing Lady Frost here. She's been on Impact. She's been on NWA. She lost very easily to Taya, but it was the fact that Jay Cargo was watching. And they have a match, and Taya's allowed to do her finisher. Um, that's like the big thing, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to the pay-per-view, but I still feel like Jade is definitely going to win. So. Ty's finisher is just basically a glam slam, right? Both of them. Both of them do the glam slam as their finisher, but... <laughs> yeah, they both call it something fucking different, and I'm like, it's just a glam slam, right? <laughs> like, Beth Phoenix is somewhere Ty, like... Ty calls it the uh, Road of Valhalla. I forgot what the hell Jay calls it. The Jaded, I think. Yeah. Uh, Battle but, of the yeah. Glam Slams without Beth Phoenix. That seems fucking weird. Um... Hopefully Taya wins. I thought she should have won the first time. I thought that was a a good time to because she had just came in. She could have gotten a surprise victory over Jade. Then they could have feuded, and you could move Jade up a division because she should be in your. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of her as a wrestler in the ring, at this point she has beaten everyone in this weird TBS division, and some people that are actually feuding for the women's title. Uh, it's weird that she still holds a women's title. So hopefully this will be the night for uh, Taya because they're going against each other at the pay-per-view, right? So hopefully Taya will win clean. Um, I don't know. But uh, Lady I Frost. Gonna... I was going to say, are they trying to get Jade to beat Goldberg's record? Which if she does, she still has to beat Oscar's record, which actually legitimately beat Goldberg's record because, guys, we don't know if it, when the fuck Goldberg won some of his matches. You know, it was all WCW. Which I've been at, so. 
Well, I mean, she's already legitimately beat Goldberg's record at this point. I think. I don't know. How how long was Asuka's? Asuka's was like 100 and something days or whatever. I, I, I just know that Asuka beat her. Or beat her. Beat him legitimately back in NXT. He, he actually, I mean, he, we remember, we probably like, did a show about it, but like, he gave her like a bunch of like, yeah, good job, even though I did not win it. He didn't say that, but. <laughs> even though WWE like somehow increased how many matches I worked in a week by seven, <laughs> like he was out here having wrestling matches at the performance center or whatever. Uh yeah, she because she held the title in NXT for forever and was undefeated even leading into that. So yeah, she probably has like the longest run in a long time. I mean, Roman probably has like the longest singles run. When's the last time Roman he's he's held the belt for a thousand days? So like, th- that's the thing. Do you only start runs well, from when you start at the company and then go undefeated, or do you start runs of yeah. like okay? matches but i've also been on a 1000 day run as the champion <laughs> well it's all about starting and then finishing i guess in the uh, perspective of uh that i don't know yeah i, I don't know that people uh i'm not going to say that people don't care about wins and losses because we don't need like another <laughs> WWE putting someone who's lost every match into a title picture immediately. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know how much people care about these win streaks unless it is just very dominant, dominant, dominant win streaks. Whereas with Jade, they've tried to have some super serious matches with also interference by her team at various points. Um, the closest thing to like Goldberg streak would have been what they had with Wardlow for a while. And even then, he didn't come in just going undefeated because he lost to Cody. So I, I, I don't know that that works yep. as well as they think it works anymore. I don't know why people keep trying to book it because what inevitably happens is the crowd turns against. <laughs> they eventually just turn against whoever they were into for those you know twenty or thirty wins because they're tired of seeing squash matches. Well, either way. We'll we'll either have, you know, a part of Jay's plan of beating everyone or possibly a new champion, Ty Valkyrie. If anyone deserves it, I think it's Ty, but we'll keep on going. We had a contract signing with uh, Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. And this was Jericho trying to bait Adam Cole as much as he could. He even showed the, the footage and called him out for being basically a terrible boyfriend allowing his girl to get destroyed in front of him, made him watch everything. And Adam Cole, you know, for being his size, was able to get very aggressive and, uh, you know, just stated that Jericho, first of all, AW should be happy. This is a non-sanctioned match because the blood Will not be on their hands, but on mine, and that's how I want to be. And he told them, like, you know, your knuckles are going to be broken, so you're not going to be able to do this. Your face is going to be destroyed. You know, just getting very personal, and Jericho was 
very good at selling that, being very, like, kind of a bit scared of how just, you know, maniacal, I guess, uh, Adam Cole could be. And uh, brought out the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society. He's got four on his side. Adam Cole just has Roddy. And Adam Cole said that he has a friend. And he's from Las Vegas. We talked about this beforehand. And, uh, you know, he used to watch him. And Jericho knows him pretty well. And he said he is a homicidal. He is suicidal. He is a genocidal maniac. And we have Sabu! Fucking Sabu. Show up. Come out to his music. Come to the ring in a nice little suit with everything. And Taz is selling this really well. And I have like a history with, with, with that man, you know, just kind of going over why we should worry about him. The only thing I'll say with um, Taz and the commentator's perspective, I wish they went into the depth. Uh, I, I, I think it's fully Ray who brought this up. The perspective of Jericho, because of Sabu, because when they went against each other in ECW, like Sabu destroyed Jericho. So that perspective could have been a little bit more talked about, I think. Um, because, I mean, here's the thing. It's awesome to have Sabu out. I wish we had like a Sabu, Mark Briscoe style something, tag team with them on it or whatever. But why the fuck is Sabu helping out Adam Cole? Um, I'll talk more about the pay-per-view. Like I've already said, I think it's undisputed or a comeback, but I have no idea if that's true or not. But I love having Sabu back. I'm just wondering... Uh, why exactly? <laughs> it, I mean, do you, do you understand what I'm saying, Chris? I know that you're excited to have Sabu back too, but like, what was the reasoning? I, I felt like they kind of could have incorporated that more, especially Taz, who has personal experience. But like, Taz, like, yeah, I'm scared about that guy. Oh, yeah. Like, they never kind of went into detail of why Jericho should be scared of Sabu to me. Yeah, I mean, maybe they could have put it over a little more, I guess, on commentary. I thought Taz did a good job of selling the fact that he was, like, a little bit terrified that Sabu was there because he knows he's a fucking crazy person. Um, So he actually did a good job of selling Sabu being there, but they didn't go into why. uh, They just assumed that you know that Sabu and Jericho are not best friends and that Sabu has demolished this guy before. Uh, in that Sabu is a hardcore legend, and if you need like an enforcer that's going to stab someone in the face with like a fork or <laughs> a nail across, like what a railroad tie nail or whatever, he's probably your guy. Uh, yeah, they didn't go into that, but whatever. It's fucking Sabu. Didn't care. It was amazing. It's like when Sting come back. I, I don't need a fucking. I don't care. It's Sting. Uh, that's how I felt about it. And then Sabu launched a chair at a guy, and uh, I was really really excited. And that made me care more about this match because I've 
setting up another fucking under like unsanctioned brawl match with Jericho where it's five versus whatever the other group again did not get me excited. But the fact uh, that Sabu is there and you might see like a Rob Van Dam or some other people come out uh, is kind of cool. Or like you said, maybe even the re the, you know, the undisputed era re- reuniting. Uh, it's a big surprise. He's in Las Vegas. They apparently from what I've heard, Jericho and uh, Sabu was on Jericho's cruise, and that's how this uh, initial conversation kind of happened of him wanting to come back and do something. And it's cool. It's cool to see Sabu back. Love the Tony Montana white on black suit with the black headdress because Sabu also got a stun on people when he comes back, apparently, and be the best dressed person in the ring. Um, I loved it. I, I, I mean, I get I get what Bully Ray saying. Also, Bully Ray sounds like a, a jealous little fuck, to be honest, because AEW hasn't called him yet. Uh, or that's kind of how it came off, because he just like buried it as like AEW does too many surprises like this. They're just doing, and and I agree to some extent, but like yeah, I feel like he'd be a little happy for one of his boys. <laughs> no, no, he was. He he just seemed like well, give me a reason. Like what? Why the why the fuck would this happen? Like. I don't know. Like, I understood what he was saying about it. Like, he was happy Sabu was definitely on AEW, though. I mean, it's fucking Sabu. I mean, can it's, we just have, like, a match with him and Mark Briscoe? I mean, maybe I mean, I, I, maybe Adam Cole's holding weed. Like, <laughs> Sabu, like, where the weed at? And Cole's like, I got... <laughs> uh, no, man. I got, the, I got this shit called the Undisputed Era. Yeah, like did, did Sabu is the the one wrestler that doesn't need a reason to be somewhere. <laughs> well, let, let's let's get let's get into the last match: Lucha Bros, Blackpool Combat Club, tag team titles, and this would always like you know this would result into not only uh, the Blackpool Combat Club winning, but just doing shit. And we had Matt and Nick come out and go in the audience. I wish that we had Hangman. This is the go home show. You can do more on Rampage, but who gives a fuck about Rampage compared to its viewership? So I, w- I wish Kenny and Paige were a part of this whole entire thing, but Jackson's came out and fucking, or not Darby, uh, fucking uh, John Moxley cut an awesome promo against Matt and Nick Jackson. And uh, Brian Danielson said, it'll always nice to be out here with you, man the mask, uh, kind of referring to what, obviously, William Regal said to Excalibur because he was on commentary the whole entire time. And, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. This your go-home show. If, if, if you're going to make this be the main event, I really would wish that all the guys there would be a part of it. but. I don't know. So they had Kenny doing some kind of video game event. That's why he wasn't there. Well, he should have been. So. No, I'm not. Dis- I'm not disagreeing with you, but he was not like he was not in the building um, for whatever reason. I, I like I heard it was video game related, but that's also hearsay because I heard it from other wrestling media outlets. So take it for a grain of salt. But they came up with what they came okay. up with. The one thing I will say is Moxley made me want to see this match more. 
And that's kind of the key of cutting a promo because he said he was going to dismember them and would he smear them all over the Las Vegas Boulevard? Yeah. yeah. He also had that great line where he's like, hey, if you don't like these kind of matches and you don't like blood, then don't watch this one, essentially. Which that can go either way, whether you're going to get people more excited about it or people that just aren't really into uh, hardcore death style matches be like, no, I'm good. Uh, Do something else. But either way, this was a, uh, I don't don't know if I can call it like a strong dynamite, but it was a good dynamite. I, I, I just don't think it was the best go home show. For the pay-per-view. We didn't really talk about the match. The match itself, I thought, was really good beforehand. Yeah. No, it was. It had a weird fuck, like, kind of fucky finish with, like, uh, the the manager. I'm sorry. I'm slipping on his name. The manager of uh, Lucha Brothers on the apron. And then it kind of set up, like, a weird fucky finish. But outside of that, it was a really, really good, good good-ass match. And... Don't, to me, one of the weirdest things that stuck out about this is Brian Danielson still talking about William Regal. It's like, stop giving that guy free promotion at this point. You guys have moved forward. I mean, I get it, but... Yeah, he's stopping some Dempsey kid, apparently. Um, yeah, I agree. And for Rampage tonight, I mean, all they have listed is uh, LaFaction, Incoron, not... Oh, man. LF, LFI, I'll just say that. Rouge, um, uh, I don't know what the hell he's called anymore. Calistico and um, 10 versus Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. And then we have Britt Baker, DMD, and Hikaru Shida going against Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir. Ethan Page in the match. Uh, the Guns are in a match or something. And then Big Bill Lee Moriarty versus the best friend. And that's their go home show tonight. Man, do you think Big Bill is regretting leaving Impact at this point? I mean, maybe Dude, not. He'd just be getting paid more. That dick all with him. And he was he had such a good run going in Impact. Lance Archer, Big Bill, um, fuck Wardlow, uh, Powerhouse Tubbs. Uh, Miro, um, Brian Cage. Am I forgetting anyone? No, man. Giant guys that can work really well that for some reason lose (laughs) a lot. They don't know what to do with. Uh, This seems like a skippable rampage, honestly. Uh, You probably just watch whatever angles happen afterwards on their YouTube page. There's not one match that you named on there that I would be super excited to see, per se. I mean, I guess the first... The is this why Collision match. is a good idea on Saturday? I, I mean, I, I, I guess. <laughs> you could just ask for a new time slot on Friday and... Uh, the Saturday thing still just worries me because there's going to be a lot, like especially during college football season, um, in WWE running pay-per-views against your show. 
And you also having a pay-per-view on Saturday, like, are you just going to run the show into the pay-per-view? Like, there's a lot of questions I have about how the, how collision is going to work or all their pay-per-views going to move to Sunday. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's debatable on what they're going to do with that. And not for me to figure out. It's people with lots of big budgets and, and money in their back pocket to figure out. I would have probably asked for any other day but Saturday. Yeah, probably would have been smart. All right, well, let, let's go over the big pay-per-view Sunday night. Double or nothing. All right, let's go from the bottom. Like I said, this is not the exact order. This is just Wikipedia's order for everything, so I have no idea if this is accurate or not. House of Black, Malachi Black, Bertie King, Buddy Matthews, Going against the acclaimed Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, and Daddy Ass Billy Gunn. Chris, I'm going to say, and I've liked the House of Black rules. I like the whole lighting they have and the atmosphere. It's been a hell of a lot better than Sakara and Bray Wyatt. Um, but I, I, I just feel like Malachi should be in an upper echelon and I could definitely see the acclaimed and Billy Gunn winning these uh, tag titles from them. But the majority of me thinks House of Black will 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 retain. What do you think? I think House of Black is gonna retain otherwise than making all of those weird rule stipulations for their title run would mean absolutely nothing. Um, and that was like only two weeks ago. So I, I feel like they're going to retain, but uh, one of those weird rule steps are going to come into play. So for instance, what is it? The uh, no rope break or whatever. Uh, they, they had a few rules that I think might come into play and then they'll show, Oh, this is how like, this is how you can get screwed over by these various. What's also, how do they get to make their own rules for attack division? <laughs> Whatever the I still don't understand that. I House of Black is fucking lame, bud. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna say that. <laughs> like, that's the best way to put it. I try to be positive because, like, all the guys involved in it are good wrestlers, but uh, I, they would almost all be better separate from one another and not doing this gimmick and, and trios, the trios titles in general, outside of just having like crazy, you know, young bucks trios matches or just kind of don't do it for me. Yeah. Completely get it. Um, I don't know. I like the idea of the acclaimed and Billy Gunn getting the titles from them. But we'll find out. Probably going to be House of Black that wins. Yeah, I mean, they, right, could next... be, they, they could save that to, like, you know, they'll build that, maybe build that out to Wembley and then have a rematch. Yeah, definitely a possibility. All right, well, uh, on session match, uh, we're just talking about this. Adam Cole, Chris Jericho. Sabu is special guest enforcer. I think it's my prediction. 
Adam Cole's going to win, and we will see the whatever the hell they decide to call them, but the Undisputed Era um, at the end of it. And I think Sabu's going to be a lot of fun within the match. He's a special guest enforcer, so he's Mike Tyson's role in WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels uh, and Uncle Steve Austin. But Adam Cole, I feel like he has to win this, Chris. Yeah, they're kind of fast-tracking what... I'm glad that they're doing it, too, because that was one of my worries about him being involved with Jericho is that the feud would take forever, but it seems like maybe they're fast-tracking it a bit. I think he uh, wins here. And also a special surprise, like I said, I, I would think maybe Rob Van Dam comes out. That'd be cool. If not, I want R- here, that'd be cool, too. I want RVD versus Kenny Omega. Uh, RVD already said that he will, the two people he'd like to work with in WWE it's Matt Riddle for obvious reasons and outside of it it's Kenny Omega and I'd love to see him I know Kenny is ridiculously influenced by Rob Van Dam he's stated it many times so um, if Rob Van Dam does show up I hope he stays around for a while Yeah, that would be cool. I don't. I mean, I don't know. You know, he's done a few things here in Impact. He seems more like he's just doing part-time stuff. But uh, last time I saw him in Impact, he looks really good. He was uh, he was out there with Katie Forbes or whatever in a hot tub, not that long ago, a few years ago. Talking shit about people. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. Well, we have Ethan Page and the Guns. Austin and Colton going against the Hardys, Jeff and Matt and Hook. Hardys are going to win. Hardys have to win. Um, yeah, we, that's that's going to happen to me. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I don't care about because they're still doing that we own each other's contracts thing. So, like, if the Hardys win, don't they own Ethan Page's contract or something? Something like that. So I, I I would say the Hardys have to win, but I also just don't care about the story leading into this. And, and they're falling back on the deletion thing, but it's, I don't know. They have too many things involved for it to work. Wasn't good, the one they had um, recently. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but it also is nowhere near the peak of what final deletion was. All right, well, we have uh, Jay Cargill, Ty Valkyrie for the AEW TBS Championship. I think Jay's going to retain this, but I, I would personally rather Taya win this. I mean, I picked Taya last time, so I might as well roll with it again. Worst case scenario, I lose another prediction. I'm going to go with Taya wins it here. I understand. I understand. All right. Anarchy in the arena. Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Claudio, Casanoli, Willow Yuta versus the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Hangman Adam Page with his little uh, eye patch. That's brown and matches his outfit. Um, 
this is this is gonna be a fucking crazy ass match. Please, for God's sake, especially since you have All In and fucking Forbidden Door next. Don't let Brian get fucking hurt from this fucking thing. That's all I say. Because remember last year, this happened. Brian Danielson was out. He originally was supposed to go against Okada. That did not happen. Let's not get Brian Danielson hurt from some stupid fucking match in the arena. That's all I care about, Chris. I mean, outside of Moxley or any of these guys, actually, who you'd want to see in a fucking hardcore match to begin with, I guess that's my biggest problem with this. Wouldn't you rather just see, like, (laughs) Claudio, Brian Danielson versus the Golden Lovers, or, like, Claudio, Brian Danielson, and uh, Willer Yuta versus the Elite? Like, I would rather just see an actual match between these guys than, like, like, a hardcore thing but whatever we're getting the hardcore thing so hopefully lots of chance of please don't die do this match after the sabu match because if you show this match to sabu he's gonna try to make the <laughs> the next match more hardcore <laughs> so uh i i don't know blackpool combat club has to win i think keep their hill group strong it seems like they're going with the fact that Kenny is uh, Kenny's kind of like they're a, like they have Hangman coming back, but it seems like they're kind of going with the fact that Kenny is going to be the one that has to overcome the odds against this group in singles competition. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but I don't know. They're not. I don't think they're going to blow that feud off this quickly unless they're splitting them. Because they could be splitting these groups. Maybe they're moving Blackpool Combat Club to Collision, the Elite to stay on Dynamite. Yeah, not sure. All right. Well, uh, next we have Orange Cassidy doing the double or, or what the hell is it called? Blackjack Battle Royal for his title, the AW International uh, Championship. 21 man, he is the one. So, uh, besides him, we have Ricky Starks, The Butcher, The Blade, Bandito, Commander, uh, Lee Moriarty, uh, Big Bill, Aria Davari, Tony Nese, Chuck Taylor, Tremperetta, Kip Sabian, Ray Phoenix, Penta, uh, Swerve, Brian Cage, Jay White. Juice Robinson, Keith Lee, and Dustin Rose a part of it. I think that's like five that we don't know who the hell is going to be in there, Chris. Um, <sighs> I think Orange Cassidy is going to retain this, but if they want to push Orange Cassidy, you know, for the TNT title, maybe, or the world title. There could be that, and him losing in this, he doesn't have to actually lose to fucking lose the title. He's got 20 other people, so this could be a place to take it off him for that. Uh, And if anyone on the list for me were to win the international title, I'm going to go to Penta, because I love Penta. 
Ray is on his. He he has said, man, he's about to be done. He this is like the last run until he takes some time off. So I don't see him getting this. And either I don't know, Penta or Swerve, uh, let them win. If not, Orange Cassidy. So my my prediction is actually Orange Cassidy is going to get taken out uh, by Jay White and Juice, and then they'll get you know start fighting with Ricky Starks, and somehow Dustin Rhodes wins this thing. You get that. I love that key moment of Dustin Rhodes winning the title. I feel like this is the perfect thing. You're going to set up multiple feuds. If you're doing it right, you can set up multiple feuds out of this 21 man battle Royal, especially considering you're about to split some of these rosters between separate shows. Um, Orange Cassidy also doesn't need this belt. I, I love the, the fact that he's won 28 singles matches and has had really good matches along the way, but it's not going to hurt him to lose this belt, especially when it's his own dumb creation. He can always chase it later. Uh, but it would be fun to see someone like Dustin Rhodes win it. If it's not going to be Dustin Rhodes, I would say give it to Jay White. See what he can do with it. Um, but I, I feel like the majority of this is a setup, one, to get the belt off Orange Cassidy in case this pillar stuff doesn't work out. They need someone for MJF. And the other is to continue the feud between Ricky Starks and um, whatever the hell they're called. The non <laughs> the non bullet club that is the bullet club of Jay White and Juice Robinson, uh, which was why, why it would make kind of sense if they're all feuding together and, and someone like Dustin Rhodes gets a win, which would be a happy moment for the crowd. This will probably be like on the pre-show or one of the very, very early matches, I would think. Uh, if you're not going to do that and you want to have Orange Cassidy retain, I would have Jay last until the very end and then give them, you know, four or five minutes to have an actual what would be kind of like a match before, you know, Orange Cassidy eventually eliminates him or something. But you need to do something here to give some credibility to Jay White because they've kind of done a bad job of that so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, next match. Jamie Hader and Tony Storm. I know Jamie is actually, you know, it's it's not just kayfabe. She has a minor injury, so I don't know if she's, you know, over whatever, and Tony and her will have a great match. I expect Jamie to win, but if there's anything resulting in her injury, I could see Tony Storm taking this title and that being more the title on Collision, while they have the TBS title possibly as the big title on Dynamite. Could be. I don't know. So, yeah, they keep saying Jamie's injury is minor. Uh, so maybe they're waiting until the day to decide what they're going to do as far as the match goes. If you if they need an easy... I, I could not see Tony... Uh, I, I could not see Tony Khan doing that at all. Yeah. So, I mean, if they, if they did need an easy out, you could have a situation where Jamie Hayter says here, you know, Britt Baker, go defend my title for me. And then Britt can lose. And then that sets up, you know, puts more heat between her and Jamie. If they want to, move I'm just along. saying like immediately afterwards, even if Jamie wins, I feel like Thunder Rosa should come out and be like, hey, I never lost that fucking title. 
So I'm right here. I was injured. I had to give it up, but uh, whoever, you know, Tony or fucking Jamie, you got to go through me next. Yeah. I just, I mean, if Jamie's legitimately hurt, but uh, with Thunder Rosa's not back actually working yet, she's still also still hurt. So the. No, she's, well, at least her being on television means she's okay. I don't know. Yeah, she hasn't worked an actual match yet. I doubt they would just throw her back into a heavy. Like, what, I, what I'm getting at is that they still have this storyline of AEW versus the WWE girls or whatever. So if Jamie really can't, if for some reason she just can't go, uh, it would make a lot of sense for her to pick her best friend, Britt Baker, to go in her place. And maybe either Britt, you could either do Britt retains it uh, for whatever reason for Jamie, or you do something where Britt loses. And then you can build in Oof. some inner heat with her and Jamie Hayter. Like, you lost my fucking belt. You said you had this. You didn't have this. You never had your car. <laughs> um so you could do something like that, uh, but hopefully Jamie's just good to go because I think this will be a really good match if she's able able to go. But you know, if she's hurt. I don't want her out there re-injuring herself, and then she'll just be gone for longer. Because uh, I feel like that she's one of, if not the best female wrestlers they have on that roster. Probably her, followed by Taya. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, we have Wardlow with Double A Arn Anderson in. His corner going against Christian Cage with Luchasaurus, who's pissed off. He's been, uh, you know, reprimanded to second place for the TNT Championship. Wardlow has to win this. Why the fuck is Christian Cage? I, I, I understand. He's had a big relationship with TLC matches, ladder matches, uh, but. What hurt him uh, with going back to his, you know, this type of match against Wardlow, who really is out of fucking, I don't know. This is a weird fucking match to me, but Wardlow should win this. And uh, here's the uh, weird thing. I think Wardlow's going to win this, and you might hear something similar building up for the Wembley show to Goldberg's music to come out and just give him a nod or some shit like that and kind of set that type of stuff going forward. But I definitely think regardless, Wardlow's going to beat Christian Cage. Maybe Luchasaurus kind of like, I don't know if he fucks him over or just takes himself out of this to be a future person to go against Wardlow, but I hope Arn Anderson does at least one spinebuster, Chris, in this match. I mean, I hope that Arn just takes his Rolex off and teases it because him taking the Rolly off, that's how you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That'd be awesome. Uh, I honestly don't care who wins. I get what you're saying. If they if they have Wardlow win, maybe they'd bring in Goldberg, who just turned himself in a tractor accident, apparently. According to Instagram, but, Jesus, uh, he busted his head open, which is funny because most of the comments are like, "What did you do? Drive into a locker?" Um, 
<laughs> What'd you do? Drive into Undertaker's, like you know. Yeah. So. Body? I, I get why people. I, I I get why they would do that. At the same time, I wish Christian would have never came back and started this little feud that they have going on because Christian is actually the perfect opponent for MJF. Uh, you could Christian could have came back as a babyface, and if you want someone that can go like mic to mic with MJF, it would have been Christian. So it's honestly it's tied, and they would have great matches together too. That's the other thing. Would, would you say besides? Um, MJF, I, I feel like Christian and Jeff Jarrett are the biggest heels in the company. <laughs> like they've always been. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, Moxley, Moxley I guess? Moxley's pretty, been no, doing pretty good. they Still love him. <laughs> uh, it does not matter if he's trying to be heel, man. Those motherfuckers love his ass. Um, I mean, it's 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 basically MJF and everybody else, but Christian is it would be top tier. That's why you know when he came back from injury, especially if you weren't going to do anything with the Jungle Boy stuff, it would have made sense to just bring him back as a baby face, you know, like because obviously the rest of this crap doesn't matter eight months later, uh, and he would have been a good foe for for MJF, but yeah. We'll see. Or a good foe for CM Punk. We haven't seen that yet. Maybe that. Maybe that's where they're going. Christian's going to lose here, and then he's just going to be tired of CM Punk's talking shit at Chicago and get the most heat ever when he interrupts CM Punk in Chicago. <laughs> that seems like something Christian would do. To me, it's going to be either MJF or Chris Jericho. But we're going to find out very soon. But Christian would definitely be someone that you could definitely put in there. Yeah, I guess it just depends on if Chris Jericho loses tonight. You know he's getting another match. He's getting a rematch. (laughs) So, I guess, or tomorrow night, I should say. Uh, (laughs) Come on, on, uh, Punk. We're going to do a cruise. You can beat me there. (laughs) Be awesome. All right. Well, uh, Christian versus Punk is more intriguing to me than him versus Jericho. Jericho but, and him have like uh, I don't know. Okay, matches based off the fact that Chris Jericho absolutely <laughs> despises the straight edge lifestyle. I mean, if they're going to get with that storyline, you might as well just get fucking Jeff Hardy in there with Punk. Seriously. Um, all right. Actually, Jeff Hardy and CM Punk, they should definitely do it again. Roll back that. All right. Well, we have FTR going against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Darren Jarrett, Sonny D- Sanjay Dutt, and Satin Singh, aka Zippy the Pin- Pinhead, um, all in this corner. And this is for the AW Tag Team Championships. Mark Briscoe will serve as the special guest referee. Uh, FTR better win this. If they don't, I'm done with AEW. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. If they fucking lose this, and this wasn't even, I don't know, the build-up itself, 
Uh, FTR better win. And honestly, the biggest thing from this, I hope Mark is done with all of this and can go on in some singles direction based on this. Because honestly, if you need, and we said this, motherfucker, back before we even know Mark was going to be like active in wrestling, you want a guy to go against MJF and actually have like a lot of, I don't know, where MJF can like talk shit and it can like mean a lot. Like Mark Briscoe is up there with Darby Allen, who already said as a person, go for that. But uh, either way, to send him out, let's, let, let this be it. And FTR has to be uh, Jay Lethal. Dude, honestly, what I'm hoping is afterwards, Jay loses the match, and then Jeff Jarrett beats the shit out of him to send Jay in a babyface direction. But we'll find out. What do you think is going to happen? FTR or Jay and Jeff? I think FTR is going to win and then maybe try to beat down Mark. I think Mark is going to call it straight down the middle like Ken Shamrock did. Yeah. Go check out that watch along that Tane and I did, by the way. It's Stone Cold versus Bret Hart. But yeah, I think he's going to call it straight down the middle. And uh, there's going to be Mark Briscoe is definitely going to have to fight off goons, probably Jared's goons, uh, to the point where he, he might get jumped. And uh, maybe this is the time period where Samoa Joe just makes his presence known again. Shows up, helps Mark out, looks, leaves. <laughs> Walks on home. He's sweet tooth and that new twisted metal. So maybe they can promote that on commentary or something. But that would be my guess of what's going to happen. I, I don't see a reason to take the titles off FTR unless you're going to do a long term group with Mark, which they kind of showed on Wednesday. They're not doing. It is just funny. These guys all having to work at the farm to appease Mark Briscoe. But uh his daddy told him not to trust him. So maybe we'll even get Papa Briscoe out here throwing some shots. And some ass. Taking up Karen Jarrett. Who, by the way, I have no no problem with Karen showing up and giving a ball shot to Dax and Cash. Actually, I like Karen. Um, I know I, I wasn't present during the TNA years, but She's a heat-seeking missile, man, along with her husband. So, Yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things where people just chose the side of Jeff Jarrett or Kurt Angle, and then they hated her for it. Impact actually did a pretty decent job of turning that real-life situation into an actual storyline. Um, as far as Awkward. like a... As far as like a manager goes, she just does uh, kind of like Maurice does. Like she's she's going to be that level of manager. But there is something wrestling misses those kind of managers because every time Maurice comes back and does these like weird purse interferences or ball shot interferences, I'm always like, ah, oh, Maurice is the best. So you know, well, that's the- what I'm saying. Like I could see Jay Lethal losing this match and then you know just beat the shit out of him for no reason, and then FTR helps them out, or some shit like that. 
This could be Jay Lethal going babyface. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, I mean, this new show, I would love to see Jay Lethal by himself as a badass babyface. Yeah, I mean, they teased they they at least teased him going babyface with Mark pointing out how fucking dumb it was <laughs> on Wednesday. So I don't think that's a far fetched idea in general. Um, I love that Jeff Jarrett's still out here getting heel heat. Like, <laughs> hell yeah, man! Like I said, Christian and Jeff Jarrett get more heat than most fucking people on the fucking roster. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> they They're so good at being fucking heels. They should be in a tag team together. <laughs> Christian and They Jeff. should, man. Be hilarious. Maybe after this, they get together. <laughs> All right. Uh, the main event, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. I saw someone. Seems so nice. And they posted this on AEW, and he was like, Jungle Boy winning this would be such a huge win in the company's history. And uh, I had those smiling emojis that laughed, about five of them, for this. Uh, MJF better win this if the only person that I could see somehow fucking getting this is Darby Allen. That's it. Sorry, pillars. I, I actually think that if you want a big moment in AEW history, it's you know, Jungle Boy turning heel during this match to let MJF win. I think that's the big moment and kind of the story they've been telling where MJF has been selling like, look, man, you're not there yet. If you follow me, I'll get you there. You'll be the next superstar. You can be my protege or whatever. And he's been doing that to Jungle Boy specifically, repeatedly in all the promos. So I think this is actually a good time because the baby face Jungle Boy thing's not working. Um. Turning him into a heel, cutting his hair, doing some different things with him, like you could make him a a shitty heel. So MJF is winning this no matter what. I think there's, I don't see any chance in hell that he's losing this. In fact, I think, you know, you maybe you go the Jungle Boy route, like I said, he turns heel, and then they just decide they're going to beat the absolute dog shit out of. Uh, Darby for a long period of time and then that sets up you know Darby and Sting versus Jungle Boy and MJF and then you can build whatever matches out of that you want leading to Wembley which should be Sting's big final match and maybe you you could do Sting versus MJF for the title or something Um, I think that's where I would go with it but yes I I don't see MJF losing here and even if you look at like betting odds he's like 50 to 1 or something. It's ridiculous. Really? Like no one thinks that MJF is losing this match. Which if this was WWE, you know, six years ago, they probably would have Jungle Boy win it. Uh but I, I just I you know, I don't I just don't see it. And I actually think it would make it would actually do a lot of good for Jungle Boy to be able to shave or, or, or get rid of the very clean baby face thing. It works for Darby because Darby has like natural charisma. The Jungle Boy super clean baby face, uh, aggressive sometimes baby face thing just it hasn't worked. I don't think it will. Having him turn into like a henchman for MJF and being a shitty heel that also wins matches, maybe going after another title uh, to the point where he explodes and he can turn him baby face or whatever. Maybe you can 
do something like that. But yeah, that's that's where I would go with this. I and like you said, I Sammy is just kind of there for fodder. They tease a little bit of him laying down for a pin. So I'm assuming they'll do a spot where he he lays down for a pin and then tries a roll up. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sammy's been getting the better crowd reactions out of the rest of them, which is kind of weird. But uh, well, they, pro- get- they, they they probably watch the uh, All Access show. <laughs> Maybe it, honestly, it it makes him look so baby faced on that. It's weird for Sammy. I mean, it's fucking weird that anyone had a problem with him to begin with just because of, like, some relationship outside of wrestling that has nothing to do with his in-ring ability. But people going to people, I guess. Uh, so, um, right afterward, regardless, should Jungle Boy have a feud with Roosh? It would make sense because Roosh just got beat by a roll-up pin. He beat the absolute dog shit out of Jungle Boy in that match. So for society that does not realize this, this was a uh, bone of contention with his match with uh, Roosh uh, building up towards this. Um, You know, before we get out of here... uh, do you think that Roosh took too many privileges with Jungle Boy during their match two weeks ago? I mean, what did it mean privileges? Like, he didn't do anything. He didn't just grab Jungle Boy and, you know, fucking try to break his neck or anything. Dude, uh, even, even fucking, uh, even though he doesn't like him from as much as he said, like, even... Like, uh, you know, from Brian Last, who didn't think this, but, like, Jim Cornette was, like, that motherfucker took advantage of Jungle Boy, and he ate him alive, and I'm just, like, thinking, like, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many wrestlers, if you're not applying as much as you're supposed to as a babyface, and you're not, like, fucking taking it to them, Roddy Roddy Piper, um, Chris Benoit, Uncle Steve Austin, um, Brock Lesnar. How many wrestlers, Scott Steiner, would destroy people, you know, wanting them to fucking go against them, if that makes sense? And I feel like Roosh got fucking dragged for beating up Jungle Boy, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, I thought he was trying to bring out the biggest baby face in him, but a lot of people across the industry, uh, from Brian Alvarez to fucking Jim Cornette, were not happy with how Roosh performed uh, in a match against Jungle Boy. Yeah, I mean, I hated the finish as well. I know Alvarez specifically hated the finish and didn't like the way the match was booked because you should have just had, like, you know, even if he took, like, even if Roosh took like 80% of the match jungle boy should have at least hooked him in a submission or something instead of doing a roll-up pin. But this isn't the first time AEW does this. They do, they do this with their booking, like that fucking crucifix pin that Darby hits to win matches. 
anytime he seems like he's outgunned, he hits like a roll up pin and wins, and then there's no follow up to it. Like it, that's just like bad booking of the finish. That's not to me, honestly. Liberties. I wouldn't say like he like when when you when someone says like taking advantage or taking liberties of someone, I think of like a situation where a bigger wrestler. Like like the Steiners used to do with job guys, you know what I mean? Like just beat the absolute, yeah. or the Warriors used to do. Like this was a, like the finish was the finish. Like you know what I mean? Like they were given the finish. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It was very weird, but uh, I've always liked Rouge because I always thought he handled. <laughs> uh, this this just shows my like my love, but like I always like Roosh because he was super athletic, but he always like handled matches like Roddy Roddy Piper. Like if anyone watches like uh, Piper and Bruno San Martino, and it was any any of the fucking fundamentals in that match leading up is like Piper. This was this was Bruno's last feud, by the way, and you know. Roddy was just talking terrible shit about him the whole entire time. And uh, Bruno got mad because Bruno, as soon as he got in the ring, he put his fucking foot over the rope. Roddy's right there to fucking just nail him and punch him like 20 times before he pushed him off of him. And I love that aspect of like someone like a Roddy Roddy Piper. And I've always loved that same concept with Roosh, but Man, people are mad at him across the board for fucking with Jungle Boy. And it's like, I don't know, man, as a baby face, you should probably like, you know, sack up a little bit and try to go against him as a wrestler. And Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I think I think it's more of just how the finish was booked. But like Roosh did the Roosh, Roosh has had multiple matches with people like of similar size to jungle boy and sold for them like a million bucks. when they make their fiery comeback. I mean, that's half of Lucha wrestling. Like he's had matches with Ray Phoenix and, uh, Calistico and all sorts of people where he, you know, you got to ask him to do it though. You know, if they just went out there and they're like, Hey, we want to make you look really strong. So take 80% of the match. And then jungle Boy's going to beat you with a roll up. And that's the fucking match. If that's what the booger gives you, that's not really on. It's not on Roosh. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, just don't book the finish that way or just don't book the match at all. <laughs> That's the other thing is like Jungle Boy didn't necessarily have to have this match. It didn't do anything for him because all he did was get a no. And it made Roosh look like a fucking idiot because he got rolled up by Jungle Boy. So it didn't help anyone. People are so mad at him, though. I thought it was weird, but. You know. I mean, the wrestlers aren't out here. Look, they're not determining the finishes of these matches. And, like, it, this goes into the WWE. He ate him up, man. He should have done that, man. He ate him up. You know? Well, what do you want Roosh to do against Junk? Roosh is double the size in his whole offense as I beat the absolute dog shit out of people. I think that's his. What is he supposed Dude, to do? Roosh. Before Jay White was throwing motherfuckers into the railing for the beginning of the match, I mean, that was, I don't know. I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you have that same, all right, here, here you go. If you have that same match, 
and you know, Roosh messes up, hits a post, and then you have like 30 seconds of a fiery comeback by Jungle Boy. No one bitches about this. The problem is the finish they were given, not the actual. Dude, how Roosh I, I, I honestly just, I, I think Jungle Boy was fearful, but that was the whole point of the match that Roosh did. I mean, it's exactly if you were in a match with Benoit. Or if you are in a match with any guy that like brings it to you, I mean, they would they would do the same thing. It doesn't matter where I am on the card, but I'm not going fucking stupid. If you're not going to fucking shine up and give me your baby face comeback, I'm just going to fucking destroy you the whole entire time. And obviously, yeah, Tony the- didn't give a shit. I mean, that's the, I think that's the, that's one of the things about Jungle Boy is he's thinking about the spots and not the, the psychology in the match a lot of times. And I've yelled about this before with him specifically. So they were given the finish, like you're going to win via roll up or whatever. He could have gotten more high spots in. Like that, on some point, that's working it out. I, I you know, Roosh didn't go out there. He, <laughs> If you were like Andrade did this or something, maybe I would believe it because there's been rumors of Andrade kind of like taking over matches and calling stuff. But Roosh has worked with like so many other small guys, especially going back to like his days in Ring of Honor. That's never been a rumor about him. I've never I don't know why people would think that. I think it maybe was just a very badly booked finish and there was no reason to have the fucking match to begin with. Yeah, not sure, but either way, we'll see a lot from Jungle Boy uh, for the show on Sunday, man. And uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's gonna win, but uh, you know, he's he's gonna be in there doing everything he can. Hopefully, Rouge does not fuck him up. So, so the other thing about uh, that match is that Jungle Boy hooked him and pulled the tights, which is why I lean towards maybe a heel turn. I think they did a bad job of actually telling the story. But if you watch the finish of that match against Roosh, he's getting his ass kicked. What does he do? He hooks the fucking tights. Like, he pulls them, like, where Roosh's ass is showing on the roll-up. So it leans towards him going to what MJF is saying of like, hey, if you want to get be a be a star like me, you gotta go you gotta follow this path. So like people are shitting on the finish now, but if he turns heel, that finish makes a lot more sense. There you go. All right. Well on that sense, um I think we're done with the show. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We had a, a lot to talk about. There's a lot of big pay-per-views this weekend. And uh, we gave you guys our previews for those shows. Hit us up on any social media platform. I'm on DaneAlves42 on Twitter. DaneAlves on Instagram and Facebook. Chris, what do you got going on? 
Oh, nothing but wrestling this weekend, man. Taking it super, super easy. Watching some wrestling and just chilling out. If you guys want to talk to me about wrestling, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook and Instagram. Look forward to hearing from you guys. And uh, hope everyone has a great wrestling-filled weekend and a happy Memorial Day. Um, and uh, once again, thank you to everyone that has served and has fallen. Yeah, thank you guys, everyone out there that has served for our country and the people that we left behind that also built this country off their own back, uh, involved for everything with Memorial Day. But thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll have everything, you know, uh, talked about for next week with these two pay-per-views. Hope you enjoyed our preview for both episodes. And you guys, do your thing. Enjoy your three-day weekend like I'm trying to do for Memorial Day weekend. Like I said, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Thank you to all of our troops and everyone that's passed, you know, for our freedom in the U.S. And uh, you guys have a great evening. Peace out. And let the wrestling geeks alive. Or let's start this over again. Peace out. And let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you for the whole entire weekend. You guys have a good one. Love you.